First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate Cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia, or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks, and automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology, real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. This episode of That Dan Band Show is brought to you by the Captain U Recruiting Platform, powered by Stack Sports. Captain U is breaking into the band space to offer support to high school students who are looking to perform in band at the collegiate level. With over 10 years in the recruiting industry and over 3 million student profiles created over the years, Captain U has long been a leader in athlete advocacy and support. Now, it's time to provide that same support to band performers. Captain U creates a direct line of communication between musicians and college band directors. With the LinkedIn style profile, performers can put their best foot forward with searchable criteria like their position, academic info and test scores, audition videos, director recommendations, and potential majors. Performers can directly message college directors to learn about scholarship opportunities, a university's academic strengths, and ultimately place themselves at the right institution. If you are a high school band student looking to perform at the next level, go to CaptainU.com and create a free profile today. It takes less than five minutes and will save you time and money. And for a limited time, we are offering performers 50% off an upgraded profile by using the promo code TDBS21. That's right, 50% off an upgraded profile on CaptainU.com by using the code TDBS21 at checkout. Sign up on Captain U, gain exposure, and get recruited. Powered by Stack Sports. Yo, what up, everybody? Welcome back. You are here at That Dan Band Show. We are chilling. What's today? Today's March 29th. You know, we're in the absolute shit of the indoor season, and I feel like the guest today is the most appropriate guest I could possibly have on. This is going to come out about two Fridays before uh, Independent World uh, semifinals. So I'm super excited to talk to this person about not only how his season has been going with the respective groups he works with, especially one specific one, but just also what he's seeing from other groups uh, this past weekend at the uh, WGI Dayton Regional, you know, the various videos coming out online of the West Coast. I mean, there's just a lot to think about and cover with this season, and it seems like there's going to be just some interesting shakeups. So uh, it's going to be really cool and relevant to to talk to this person about what they think. And then aside from that, this is someone who I've known for going on, I think, 12 years, maybe closer to 11. Um, and, you know, he has been a, a teacher, instructor and mentor of mine, as well as a peer. I was lucky to work with him at a couple of different groups and uh, always a blast just talking and 
um, thinking about how we do what we do. So everyone help me welcome Josh Brickey on the podcast. Josh, what is going on? Thank you. Thank you. Happy <laughs> to be here. Happy to be here. <laughs> Question number one. What is your take on the Will Smith, Chris Rock controversy happening? Where do you stand? Talk to me. This is super relevant to WGI this year. Um, <laughs> I, man, I don't know. <laughs> Can't wait on that one. I'm, yeah, I'm not don't sure. Don't say things that you don't want to say and then don't react in that way either. They're all, if you're rich, uh, you'll be fine and it's going to help you get through any type of emotional or public turmoil you may undergo. So, um, Josh, just for people who may not know, even though many of these listeners likely will, just talk to us a bit about your marching background and then kind of what you've been up to as an educator um, just up to now. Sure. Uh, I mean, my my introduction to music is probably like everybody else's. And I was uh, a young kid, got in piano lessons and started kind of being introduced to music and then um, did probably the greatest thing I could have done, which was I started private lessons before beginning bands. Uh, with uh, I grew up in Columbus, Ohio, um, and uh, a little local legend around there, a guy named Jim Galt, um, who was a huge mentor of mine, got involved in private lessons when I was in fourth grade. Um, my school district started music in fifth grade, so I got a little bit of a head start. Um, fell in love with it. You know, I did all the normal band stuff. My first big love was drum set. Um, I tried to play drum set. I started playing drum set when I was in fifth grade. Um, and I worked my way up through school like everybody else. And I got uh, introduced to the drumline game when I got into high school. Uh, I was super, super, super fortunate that my high school program was very figured out. And I had a great instructor in John Merritt, mm-hmm. who's now down in San Antonio. He was the guy that taught me um, basically everything I knew. He also, he brought in another guy who I look up to, a ton, Eric Ward. Um, you know, how, how lucky is that? My high school science tech, <laughs> Eric Ward. Um, so I got introduced to a pretty legit beginning to what the drumline world was. And then, um, after high school, I, I auditioned for Rhythm X, uh, in 2003 and made it that year. And then, uh, March, the next four aged out there. Um, and then, uh, drum corps wise, I marched, uh, Carolina crown in 2004 and blue coats in 2005. Um, after that, I kind of dove like super into the teaching world. Uh, I was lucky enough to start teaching at Rhythm X right away uh, in 2007, and I've been teaching there ever since and um, got involved. It was, it was funny. I marched Rhythm X. I started teaching Rhythm X. I marched Carolina Crown and Blue Coats, and then my first teaching job was at Blue Coats, and then I taught at Crown after that. Uh, so I was like only teaching at places that I marched, which was a little weird, but uh, it was great. Great start to teaching. Um, then I just kept moving up the ranks. I uh, ended up at um, Caption Head at Crossman. Um, starting in 2015, I was there for a few years. Uh, and now I'm currently the percussion caption head at Cavaliers, uh, which is a new role for me. So, Absolutely. yeah, <laughs> one day they'll tell me what that means. I, I don't know if they, I wonder if they still, uh, they won't, no, they won't. And, uh, I wonder if they're still, I wonder how that's all going down, but, but anyway, uh, you know, for people know that I March Rhythm X, um, 2011 and 12 and, you know, my introduction to Josh was uh, p- picking up the phone. I think you called me and you were just like, this is a situation at X. We had this many age outs, you know, not to say that it's guaranteed, but, you know, it feels like there's going to be a good fit and, you know, that y- you're going to be able to get in there. So, you know, myself and Travis Peterman and Tom Gasparini all carpooled out there. And um, I mean, the rest is history because all three of us kind of went on to 
to just keep doing this, uh, much like you described, you know, going on and working with groups that you uh, either march with or, or people that you you worked with. So for you to be at Cavaliers with Mike, obviously, uh, that that team, it's really cool for me because obviously, you know, I I marched there, um, and, and then Russell and Jack and Jesse were all people I marched with. But I'd love to hear like. One, I mean, I know you were working with them um, kind of in the battery capacity, and it seems like they kind of saw what you were able to do. But, like, what? how did you end up in this caption role? Because that's new for this season. Yeah, so I, I joined on staff. So after my last year at Crossman was 2018, and I took the summer of 2019 off. It was, it was great. Um, and then 2020, I got hired on. Uh, Mike wanted me to come help out at um, Cavaliers. It was, it was in a pretty – uh, a pretty part-time role, just come in for a couple weeks and just kind of give some observations. Um, obviously, we all know how that season ended up not happening. Yeah. Um, so then we went into the, the uh, last summer, the 2021 season, and um, you know, just getting back into doing drum corps and and uh, kind of doing my thing there. You know, I was going to do more, a little more time. Uh, I did all, but I don't know, maybe eight days of last summer, which isn't that's not a, a huge amount of time because of the shortened season, but. Um, I got the opportunity when I was there just because some people had schedule conflicts and everything. I ended up kind of um, taking a, a slightly bigger role and kind of taking charge of a few things and getting involved in running ensembles and things like that. And uh, it just seemed like a really uh, good marriage. I mean, I had I had a um, when I marched at Bluecoats, Mike was my caption head there. Um, so we had known each other for years and we worked together and, and you know, we've, we've known each other for a long time. It was very comfortable. Um, but I think just kind of the energy that I was kind of bringing there, I think Mike was kind of attracted to that energy and um, you know, it just kind of, kind of just worked out the way, way that it needed to like the program after the 2021, ev everybody's program, I think took a little bit of an evaluation process. You know, you take a hit financially, you take a hit with everything. Uh, so you start looking forward and some, you know, the talk of change comes up there. And I just think I made sense for that role. Uh, and, and like, it's not taking away from what anybody else has done there. I think like me and Russell and Jesse and everybody that's been involved there before have a really good working relationship. And um, I think just a, just a general comfort with what, you know, Mike sees for me and um, what I think we're going to be able to do at that program. So what do you feel like when it comes to looking ahead with them? Um, what are kind of your goals? You know, when you look at kind of where they've been over the last 10 years, it feels like, you know, the identity has been this process of sort of landing the plane. I think, uh, you know, Mike went there his first two years. We were still in that, like, we medal every year. That's just what happens. And that turnover with Scott Coder, the visual team, Michael Gaines going to the Vanguard, left Cavaliers to sort of recalibrate. They've gotten that strength back in the brass with Kevin um, and with, I believe Michael Martin, is that right? Or is yeah. it Chris? Okay. It's, it's, Mike. It's, it's, and Chris Martin, I think is the singer of Coldplay. Um, yeah, those, different people. <laughs> those we'll aren't the same people. We can hire him, but I don't know. The singer of Coldplay is the brass caption head at the Cavalier. <laughs> you heard it here. <laughs> um, so, uh, that team, I feel like they're brass. I think in 19, they got third place beat the blue devils that's super cool and i think the design richard henshaw daniel wiles like there's an avon nucleus there so when you think about the percussion um where do you feel like you're you're looking to go with that team and you know as a leadership where, where is just kind of your vision leading you just knowing you know the history of the drum corps and the percussion program yeah the the drum corps is very figured out um and, and i mean that on all levels i think the brass team is incredible the visual team is incredible i think the design guys are incredible 
the the admin and the office side of things are, are great. I think the last piece of the puzzle that needs to get figured out is the percussion team. Um, and I think it, I think it has been, and it, and it is figured out, but we got to prove it a little bit more competitively. And that's creating a, uh, a competitive program is a different skill set than being great teachers. And I think Cavaliers have always had really great teachers. The experience that the members are getting is always high, high level, good information. They get treated really well. There's a lot of respect. Um, what they've been missing, what we, they might've been missing and hopefully that I can help this is creating a competitive program is a little bit different. Um, having, having a drive to try to create a program that is, that is going to try to do well on the score sheets as well as be a really great experience. So that, that's a, that's a nuanced thing being competitive. And I think, you know, the idea talking about being competitive is such like a, hey, hey don't talk about it. Don't say it. Um, I have no problem talking about it. I think it's a good thing. I think healthy competition is great. So our number one goal is we want to create a um, more competitive program at Cavaliers. Um, we're going to do that by um, creating the, the number one way to do that, in my opinion, this is what we've done at RhythmX and, and everywhere else, is that you create a program that people want to be in. Um, that sounds really, really easy to do, but I think it's really tough. Um, it comes down to the types of shows that we're going to do, uh, the number of hours that me and Mike McIntosh have spent on the phone talking about what sort of book we want to play, what's the cool stuff that people want to play, because um, that, that, that's a huge part of it. People watch videos now. The number one recruiting tool in the country, in the world, is YouTube right now. Yep. And so we want to be, we want to make sure that we're playing music and we're playing show music that is kind of tailored to that a little bit. We want to make sure that people want to play our music. Um surround the staff with absolutely great educators who are great people uh, who do things the right way, who are respectful and, um, you know, are going to help us develop a culture that is positive, um, but also recruits really well and going to hopefully bring in the top talent in the country. And I think we've already made pretty big strides in that. But for us, I mean, the, the big thing we got to embrace this year is we need, we're going to be more competitive. Like we're going to try to be really, really, really annoying to the groups that have beat us the past 10 years. We're not going to make anybody's lives easy and we're going to be coming after people. Um, but we're going, to, we're going to do that all in the right ways. I mean, the, the Cavaliers, you know this, you march there. I mean, the, 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 the organization and everybody, it's, it's so professional mm -hmm. and it's so respectful. And I, I like that word respectful with programs. Like it, there's a respect that goes each way there from staff to member, member to staff. And it's, it's, it's a cool thing. So we're going to try to be more competitive. I think the brass, like you said, the brass did that a few years ago Yep, with Kevin and his team and, 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 and Drew and Mike and all this guy. I mean, they're, they're great and they've got a great thing going. Um, so we're going to try to keep up. We're going to try to be competitive and have a, a blue collar uh, drum line. And we're going to try to, like I said, be annoying to all you guys that have been beating us for a few years. <laughs> I mean, you know, Cavaliers, I think it was 2017 got third in drums and so it hasn't been that long. I think Cavaliers have absolutely been in the top six conversation consistently for a very long time. You know, I, I talked to Mike about this on a on an episode of a podcast um, just about his writing because I think the front is always a standout section in DCI. Everyone knows Cavaliers front is sort of equivalent to like Music City Mystique's front. Like they're just it's really bread and butter. Eric Johnson, it's it's still the ripple effect from what he did back in the 90s all the way through, right? So I think that pit is like, okay, we kind of know what's going on there. And for the drum line, when I think about Mike's writing, 
He has his way of writing things that are incredibly hard to play, but to the listener, are they sound easy because it's open. Um, and I think in our judging community, there's this perspective of like, you know, density and like volume or like speed is difficulty and like space, openness, uh, transparency is something else or it's like less demand or a different type of demand that like they're not rewarding as much. So like for me, it's one of those issues where it's like, this is a thing that's hard and it only gets rewarded when it's perfect. And when it's not perfect, you're like, why are you ticking this like check seven? Like you shouldn't be. So I, a part of me thinks it's the judging community's inability to like realize like, yo, playing a really open rhythm or the way that the voicing works and is responding to each other is like insanely difficult but it's not being read and appreciated. And I think that's been a real, not issue, but it's been a uh, part of why the drumline maybe isn't getting the the uh, coverage it should be in the last couple of years. Yeah. You know, I think the, the toughest thing to judge and toughest thing to really get everybody to understand is what is difficult. You know, like, I think that's why that, like, a lot of the judges sheets, DCI, WGI, they've tried to eliminate the word difficulty quite a bit. Hmm. or vocabulary things like that because it is something what, what what is what is more difficult super fast flam drags at a consistent speed or double whole notes <laughs> you know i mean like they're both equally difficult in my opinion right. so yeah i think that there's you know i like the uh the analogy of you know as the the judge or the audience you got to treat them as a customer and you're trying to sell them equally like a six pack of cheap beer and a high-end bottle of champagne like you got to be able to offer both. And, and I think a lot of groups, maybe Cavaliers fit into this, you know, they offer one, but not the other. Um, and so you got to find a way to kind of, uh, if you want people to think that what you're playing is difficult, you got to find a way to kind of do both. I think Vanguard does a fantastic job of that. I mean, obviously they're, they're kind of running the game right now, but what Paul does is so smart. He makes his books are so musical and so great and so well-written, but he, he also uh, doesn't overcreate the audience. Like you can sit back and just kind of shut your eyes and listen to the music he writes and appreciate every single thing. And it's like the right amount of energy at the right time. It's, it's, it's really well done. And, um, you know, everybody else I think needs to get on board with that a little bit. I think he does a very good job of offering everything. It's, it's exactly what it needs to be. Also, it's the things that it doesn't need to be for those really advanced listeners. Um, but it offers the whole package. And so I think all of us have got to find a way to compete with that. Yeah. It's like, it's like, thinking ahead enough you're you're not just writing music but you're engineering space and the way that you can be read especially in dci i think wgi is just a medium that can be evaluated at a better higher level i'm i'm guessing that you would probably agree with that with dci it's like who are we actually trying to write for are we writing for the drum judge who's now like on the ground in front of everyone are we writing for the effect judges up top and like who are who are we trying to reach are we trying to we like you said make it cool in the lot because ultimately vanguard in the lot is not that interesting but they on the field in context it all works really well or in the lot with the front ensemble but their drum line by itself it leaves you going like I'm a little bit confused when it comes to numbers, but I think when it all comes together, there's no question. Um, Whereas a blue devils, mm, maybe some similar uh, components where it's like, 
they play something that seems unbelievable. Like for those guys, sight readable, and they're just it's so easy. And then it's like snare break, hardest thing you can play, most innovative thing you've ever done. A minute and a half of something easy. So it's like that engineering where I've seen groups like when they change the drumming, uh, the drum judge rule rather. You know, Boston is backfield, and they're just like reefed. I'm like, why are you doing this? So I think like for Paul and I think Mike because he works with Richard and Richard is really open and aware as an indoor designer too. It's like, how much can you get rewarded for at a time? Because part of what you're talking about is simultaneous demand as well. Yeah. It's like, uh, it's like calling plays in football. You know, you're not, you're not going to call the home run play. You know, you're not going to call the, the, you know, the, the risk, the high risk play every single play of the game. You're going right. to call what's predictable. And then you're going to have five to 10 opportunities in each game where you're going to go for it. Right, uh, and I think that with with writing now, and it, 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 and it, it's put so much pressure on the visual designers, if anything. Yeah, because now the drum staff, who used to not really, we used to be vocal, but not as vocal. Now it's become like, hey, no, 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 we got to be staged up here, you know, in this moment, you got to get us there, you know, where it used to be like, hey, can you if you can just kind of clear things out, we'll be all right. We just got to make sure the judge can get out there. But now it's very much like, no. We can't have the guard in front of us anymore. This is like our one out of five spots we got in the whole show to try to win win a drum trophy. Uh, so it put a lot of pressure on them. But I, yeah, I think you know a, a lot of drum corps were doing that when they switched the judging system and, and they got the, everybody on the front sideline. You know, the horn lines playing loud and the drum lines in the back just doing standard drum line drill and they're playing you know super fast flam material that's never going to be heard. You know, and it, and so everybody's kind of veering towards what the what I think the Blue Devils have done for a long time, which is really be selective. You know, like, hey, we've got this thirty seconds right here. We got to maximize it. It's got to be the coolest thing. It's got to be the hardest thing. It's got to be staged perfect. Then when we're kind of back here, it's not not that it's not important, but it's not as important. You know, and that also cuts in like if you think your drum course shows 11, 11 and a half minutes. You know, they're they're probably only working. I have no idea if, what this number is, but they're probably only working on three and a half music, three and a half minutes of music most of the summer. Right. I think you're right. I, I'm like so torn on it. And like, you know, obviously with Crown, I am somewhat inside of the process of what you're talking about, where it's like, what is this percussive moment? Where is it? What does it look like? Um, what does it mean, et cetera? And always, I mean, we want to be in the front. There's zero question, like it's just the reality. But the unfortunate part is as a viewer of drum corps, it's going to start making us all look the same. So I like wonder how this is going to like ping pong in a couple of years, because all of a sudden every drum feature is going to be the drum line in some kind of block wedge mass form that has good listening, doing their thing. Then they, they leave and it's going to turn a lot of like it's going to turn like minutes of each drum corps show into kind of like the same moment. And like, obviously we're going to like design differently because we all like have different approaches, but is that an issue for anybody that like the show itself, like they're going to grow more like homogenous and kind of similar? I, I think, yes. I think we run that risk. Like to me, it reminds me a lot of like seventies and early eighties drum corps. It's like the show happens and there's going to be the moment in the middle where the drum line comes up to the front and they like kind of park and play for a minute, minute and a half, you know? Yep. Not that that wasn't super cool, but it from a design standpoint, it's it's cool music and it's a cool thing, but it, it doesn't. I think that's a step down from the quality of design you see from drum course now. I think there it has to be more integrated. It has to be more creative than what than than what that was. Um, just from an overall design standpoint, I'm not saying what they played was bad or anything like that. 
Um, but you know, as I do, I do think we run that risk. We're going to have to keep finding new ways to present that, but in a way that's uh, you know just more innovative and, and new, um, and not quite as stale. Because I, I, yeah, I think you're right. I think I think the, the more the drum judge on the front though keeps a lot of people happy. I think it does limit a lot of of what we are able to do. Um, not that we're not able to do it, but you don't get any credit for it. You know, if you're behind the horn line, you're playing this crazy art stuff. There used to be somebody out there sampling, you know, listening to what's happening. And that that's honestly where most of the drum trophies were won. Um, you know, now it's we got to find more creative ways. And I don't think that's a bad thing, but I think it does challenge the designers, especially the the visual designers. Those poor people. They, <laughs> you know, they already have everybody else like saying, you have to have us here. You have to have us here. And now we're, we're the last leg of the puzzle here. Like, you got to have us up here now, too. So, yeah, uh, you know, it's like. That change benefits the pit, for sure. It benefits the guard. It benefits the brass. It definitely doesn't benefit the drum line. And ultimately, it's not going to benefit the visual design. So it's like this weird... It's like... And like, I mean, you taught Crown when they were at their peak, you know, running their balls off. 2012 Crown, like, steroid drill. And it's like, what is this all worth? Like the amount that I have to maintain this on a day to day, like it, the book, cleaning the book becomes more about how much conditioning you can get in the drill, how much strength they have in their lower bodies and their comfort with the drill. And it's like, so I'm a drum person, you're all drummers, and we're actually dealing with the athletic side of this more. And we're like, not really equipped for that. And I say that as like a more of a visual oriented person, like, we just make the challenge almost purely physical and it removes some of like the, I just want to drum in a drum line thing. And like, again, not saying that's wrong, but as, as you, you probably experienced, it's like, we just, it's just a drill problem now. Yeah. You, you kind of just pass the issue off to somebody else, you know, like, <laughs> Oh no, we're not going to win drums. Well, the drill designer didn't set us up. <laughs> to win drum. You know, I just, you kind of just pass the buck now. Yeah, it's it's a weird it's a weird transition. I think it's cool, and I think it's going to be fine. I think it's good, you know. But there there is a, a you can tell we're still trying to figure it out. Like we're trying to figure out where's the right balance between you know put the drum line on a platter and bring them up to the front so everybody can appreciate it while not deviating too much from the overall design and trying to find that middle ground, which I think is a is a cool challenge. I think that's maybe something that uh, DCI can learn from WGI a little more. Uh, because we, we have to find unique ways of presenting things in a much smaller space, which in theory would make it a little bit easier. But as you're kind of, as everybody's experiencing in WGI, you know, the constant comment is like, what you, my eyes aren't going to what I'm, what I should be listening to. My eyes are going somewhere else. So sure. if we can figure out how to do that in a small space, when you allow more, more flexibility, it should make it a little bit uh, easier, but it's definitely something that we're, that DCI is still trying to figure out and, you know, they're going to continue. And then when they start to figure it out, it'll change again. Um, so it'll be this ever changing thing. Yeah. I, I literally simultaneously, I miss the drum judge being in their face. Like that was just a dope experience as a player. I, I kind of feel like, well, you know, there's a real drumline supremacy issue in the judging too, where it's like, so drumline focused, like we just don't have as many front people. So it's like, Oh, like we're missing the, you know, intimacy of when the drum judge was on the field, but that whole time the pit is getting fully neglected. So it's like, we've kind of raised the front ensemble up in terms of their focus and what they contribute. 
and then there's something else that's a little bit diminished because of it. So I, I, it's like, you know, six and a half from one and 12 dozen another. I don't know what that saying is, but you know what I mean? <laughs> we, we know what you mean. Yeah. I, I don't know sayings. I just say what I, you know, everyone can, can figure out what I meant, but, um, I'm not sure. I like the judge on the field. I also kind of think the percussion judge should be like where the music judge is for WGI. Yeah. Like six row dead 50. Yeah. I think, I think that's, that's a that's a more reasonable solution for for where we are now. I think my the the one that I've always wanted and it'll never happen. I know that, but have two percussion judges, a front yeah. judge and a battery judge, and those scores are put together and averaged. Because um, as you're right, I mean, when you know, as a performer, the thing that I really uh, upset me the most about when we got the, the 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 judge off the field was that it was just always such a cool experience as a performer. You know, to have the judge out there kind of in your face, hearing all those small details. I mean, it was, it was, it was awesome. We used to hype, you know, hey, Alan Christensen in four days. Yeah. You know, we used to, that was such a cool performance thing that I, I, I hate that like now people don't even know what that is. Um, so I, I always, I always kind of wanted that, like a, a battery judge and a front ensemble judge. And uh, obviously that'll never happen. But I, I, I hope that in the future, if it changes again, I hope it turns into kind of the WGI system where, you have somebody in like the fourth, fifth row that can kind of read everything and take everything in. But because even even now, even though the the you know it does increase the the front ensemble uh, read, like they they get a, a much better read of the front ensemble. Your battery moments are just are not nearly as much, and you know it's still not right. Still not right. I think I think it's close, but it's not right. Yeah, and the you know. The- if we are expecting the judge to not only read the front and battery independent of each other, but also holistically, which we are, the only team doing that right is Vanguard, and they have sacrificed their visual variety a lot for that. Like they get hit in the visual caption because of what Paul demands from Michael Gaines, and any drum person who's not in the Vanguard can tell you that that drum line does not do shit visually. And I care about that, you know, as someone who wants to be pushing what the top level is from a visual perspective, I think they totally hang their hat on like, we don't have to do shit and no one cares because they don't. But it's like, why do we even get into the weeds with like body and simultaneous environmental responsibility? Yo, we all can just go between the 40 and the 40 with no large step sizes and play super clean. And that's what's going to get rewarded. So it's like, I almost like feel bad for the groups, including the one that I'm part of where it's like, we have demands that are in the drill that ultimately like, yeah, is Mike lights going to like say, you know, drill demands? Yes. But the amount of time we put in that bucket pulls from the time we could be putting in standing still and percussion ensemble playing perfect for hours and hours like the Vanguard does. So it's like an identity core like thing that we're, we're just trying to figure out and like, it's not what they're doing is wrong, but it's like, they just don't do a thing that I thought we all wanted and should be doing. I'm just not, sh- you know, we're in the WGI realm too. So like I'm coming from a different background and so are you, you know? Yeah. I think a lot of it is, is WGI influenced and, and you know, in, you know, until, until the sheets say that you have to do it, why would you, you know, I mean, it's, it's more of a personal drive at that point. And, yep. and you know, I, it, and again, it kind of goes back to what we started with. Like, how do you say what, what difficulty is, you know, it'd be, unless you've like put that drum on your body and you've done all that, you know, the choreo inside of playing difficult stuff and you're listening. Some some people don't realize like shifting to a 45 changes your listening environment, you know? So learning how to play clean 
while moving around is a separate difficulty, you know, but, but no one's equipped to really uh, accurately adjudicate that, you know, because well, it, well, it's not on the sheets. I mean, simultaneous responsibilities. Right. But what are those? You know, that, that's such a, just a broad thing to say. Like, oh, that's drumming. One thing. That's drumming in general. You're doing, <laughs> uh, you know, so I, I think that's tough. I mean, you know, the system right now doesn't require it. You know, so what Vanguard's doing is very smart. You know, they, and, and I think it kind of, it, it'll, um, it'll kind of pull at certain players. Like some, some people don't want to do that stuff. You know, people that don't want to do that, though, they can head different play. I mean, that, that, I think that's totally fine. I think that's, that sort of variance, I think, is what makes the activity really, really cool. Um, you know, we don't, uh, you may not like that they don't do a lot of that stuff. They don't like that you may do a lot of that stuff. Um, you know, so it's, it's who's right, who's wrong. I mean, nobody, um, you know, it's, 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 you know, not, not another football reference. Like, you know, you can run a spread offense if you want. You can also run a pro style offense if you want, you know, both will create a great result, but you know, one might be a little flashier than the other and might be more explosive, but that doesn't make it better. You know, and I think that clearly, you know, what four straight drum trophies that's going on over there. I mean, why would you change anything, <laughs> you know, until, until, until you start feeling threatened, you know, by something, then, you know, obviously what they're doing is, is great. And, uh, and, you know, and working with Paul at crown, that dude is just such a, just a professional musician. You know, he, like I've only had a small sample of him, but like the, the guy just kind of talked about music a little different than everybody else. So he's sticking to what he really cares about. And I think that that's great. Totally. No, it, it works. They, yeah, four in a row. Uh, you know, that's not, that's not what drew me to drumline, you know, uh, to maybe transition our minds into WGI. And, you know, obviously we both have backgrounds at Rhythm X, but, you know, watching uh, Blue Devils, Quadline, 05, 4, 5, 6, mm -hmm. Rhythm X, Quadline, 06, like, the visual aspect is what at least drew me in, you know? So like, it's yeah. hard for me to be like, well, it's just as hard to play completely perfectly clean standing com still with your feet together. Right. Like I don't, that doesn't resonate with me because like, it's such an integrated thing with how your body moves and like the physical aspects. Um, and I think Tim Jackson would definitely agree. Right. Like he is one of those front runners of choreo that certainly inspired like my mind and what I want to do with it now, you know, along with someone like, like Mike Jackson, for example, right. That just this, this physicality and the way that there is an expression that comes through the music when your body is punctuating and accenting it. And I feel like around that 08, 09 time is where Rhythm X fully unlocked that. And it was like, we never went back. That was like sort of the one way door where we were like, okay, this is, this is where we go now um, because it was so wrapped up in the identity of the programming. So for me, when I look, and again, this is not to bash a, a Renick line, but it's just my best example. Cause it's what I see is like, if you're going to tell me that your show is like Babylon post-apocalyptic hip hop, there's a way that I see that looking in the drumline that I don't at all see in a Paul Rennick drumline. Every year they look pretty much like it could be any show and it's like perfectly clean. So like that's the hill they die on there. But I like that holistic thing that you guys are doing the Cavaliers that we do at Crown, at X, at Mason, whatever, where it's like the way you play and the way that you move and the choices being made 
are not only congruent, but they're reinforcing uh, the overall programming. So um, that, and that's like how I like explain this to myself because I write in the body that ultimately caused the dirt at crown. <laughs> so I'm like, you know, it's like, it's like, <laughs> Oh, this is what I have to do or whatever. So uh, you, you know how it is, but um, talk to me about just what's going on with X man. Cause I'll just tell you, I texted the Tim's cause I saw the videos coming out. I was like, this can be a rhythm X year. Um, this is a year that you all are doing something that's so innovative with the shadow boxes and the drill and the environment. Um, this is a year that the players, specifically the snare and the baseline and, uh, the, you know, the pit seems like they're on the same trajectory, but for me, the snare and the baseline are standing out as further ahead than the rest of the group and the rest of every other group. Um, and it just feels like this can be a rhythm X year. And I'm such a big fan of that as an alumni, you know, as a, a past rhythm X person. Um, and as someone looking to bust into the sameness of the West coast, like I'll just say it again, this is my opinion. These are not facts, but I see West coast recycling happening where it's a formulaic thing. And what I texted Fairbanks about was like, I appreciate that you all challenge and experiment within your own house every year. That has inspired me and what I do is like, I'm not just trying to do like the same thing every year and put a different title over it in a different uniform. It's like, we're going to relearn how drill works. We're going to relearn how body and playing works. So I'd love to hear from you just like, what's going on? What's the vibe? Like, what's the energy like on the inside? Like, I know y'all are hungry and y'all are after it, but like what, what's making this year stand out in the way that, you know, I'm noticing. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, it's, it's been a really fun year so far, obviously. Um, you know, with, uh, with, with 2020 getting stopped, um, and then 2021, we did some like virtual clinic stuff and we did, we did like an, an elongated audition uh, series, uh, that people could participate in. Um, but what that, what that allowed us to do was, um, have a lot of conversations <laughs> about what we wanted rhythm X to be. Cause I thought that yeah. maybe not, maybe I thought that, uh, we had maybe lost, we had lost our way a little bit as far as, um, what we wanted the group to be. And we were losing a little bit of that shine that we used to have. Um, and that's something that me and Tim Jackson especially took really personal, um, cause I mean, I, I've, I've been at rhythm X now, uh, 20 years, he's been there 21 yep. years. Yep. Um, so, you know, we, 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 have a lot of pride in that group and we want to, we want to take care of it. And so we had a lot of conversations, a lot of just back porch sitting around, um, uh, just talking about what, what direction we wanted to go in. And, uh, and what it really came down to this year was we, the thing that I was really pushing was I just wanted to play badass music. I wanted to, I wanted the music to kind of be the first step, the thing that we picked the most, because ultimately the visual side of things is ultra important. And it's something that we want to care about and we want to give its full respect and all of that. Uh, but to me, it always, uh, when you break the activity down, it always comes down to music for me. That's, that's, that's just how my, my person works. And the and judges, I'm, obviously it's 60, 40 percent. Yeah, right. So, you know, we've always been kind of a more of a visually driven group, I think. Um, and, but we wanted to kind of flip that. So we started listening to just all sorts of music and we tried to really get, um, out of our comfort zone as far as what music we were listening to. Um, we listened to, we, we tried to sample everything we could. And then ultimately, uh, we landed, it was, um, me, Tim Jackson, Andrew Markworth and Ryan Kilgore, we were out golfing and we had uh, Spotify just playing. And um, 
the uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit, the version that we were playing in the opener, popped on Spotify because my algorithm um, for Spotify, because we listen to so many different types of music, the playlists it put together is like all over the place. Mm -hmm. um, so we, we found that version of Smells Like Teen Spirit and we all just kind of like looked at each other and, and, and Tim Jackson was all about it. And so we kind of, you know, that's kind of where the conversation started and he started pushing that to Tim and Andrew uh, more. But it started with the music for us this year. And then it, it, it turned into the like, man, smells like teen spirit. That version, that version is from uh, the movie Black Widow. It's in the opening credits. That was the version that we found. Um, and then it kind of turned into, you know, learning more about Kurt Cobain and like, you know, cycling back. And I said, my, um, uh, my first music love was drum set. You know, when I was in sixth grade, I learned how to play the entire Nevermind album on drum set, mm -hmm. you know, like a goal of mine. So I, I, I was already a big Nirvana fan and I was really always intrigued with Kurt Cobain. Um, so the show kind of turned into that. It, it, it became like, let's learn about Kurt Cobain and who he was. And um, that's a, it was a little bit different of a show concept for us. We don't really do, uh, with the exception of maybe 2014 um, with the uh, Philippe Petit um, references, like we really don't dive into like a person too much. Um, like we try not to, to do that, but this, this show definitely dove in, uh, pretty hardcore. So the, the show is a little different for us. The, I, th I think the music is really, really great. It's a lot of the, a lot of fun to listen to and perform. Um, you know, there's, there's such a, just a, like an angst and, and, a, a discomfort with Kurt Cobain, um, who he was as an artist and, and, uh, kind of what, he loved music so much, but hated performing so much that, so his, his, a lot of who he was as a person and the type of music and like, you could hear it in his vocals. Like there's a lot of angst and it's a lot of, um, I like the word discomfort for him, like, uh, pulling from that. I think the show is cool. Like hearing his, hearing his actual lyrics, like hearing his voice in the show, I think is really, really powerful to me just cause I was a big fan, but uh, the group is very talented. I mean, we, we've always, we're always kind of on top of our game with recruiting. Yeah. Uh, making sure we're a talented bunch. Uh, and this year it's just kind of uh, a little exceptional. We're a little bit older than we, than we, we're always an old group, but a little bit older than we want to admit. Um, snare line's about average, but like baseline is extremely talented this year. They're very good. And that's six age outs. Um, so it'll be a, a reload next year, but um, yeah, it's been fun so far. You know, th this has been a, a show that we've been able just to kind of like block out everything else around us and just kind of do our thing. Um, but things, things are going well. We had a good regional last weekend and we're hoping to, uh, kind of take down some, some of those California groups if we can. I love how different it is for you all. I mean, that's the first thing for me where I was like, rhythm X doing Nirvana. That's weird. I was like, Oh no, that makes perfect sense. Like just the experimentation year to year, I feel like that is part of the experience. Um, and then I, I was thinking just about Cobain and like that whole story with him and then thinking about the story of Rhythm X and especially Tim um, Jackson and sort of his mystique around himself. And, you know, obviously he was like this incredible performer. You guys all, I mean, it was just this like huge stacked crew, but he like, he ages out he turns into the designer. They win, you know, you guys win eight, nine, 13, you know, consistent medalist top. And then it kind of gets to this point around, you know, 16, 17. Um, and of course you can correct me. This is like my observation or my interpretation, but 16, 17, it's like that self-awareness can turn into something negative 
Um, I felt that myself as a younger designer where it's like, you're just doing your thing and you like, don't know why it's going well, but it is. And then you like get to a certain age and you start to hear what other people are saying about what you do and it informs what you're doing. And I think with Cobain, he had that self-awareness where it was an expressive thing that ultimately made him hyper famous. And then that fame, it turned him inward and introspective and he's starting to analyze what he's doing. He's starting to become a representation of himself rather than like an authentic version of himself. And I love that this show is kind of just like, it feels like Rhythm X trying to turn back right into where y'all came from because Rhythm X is the punk group. People don't know that. Um, and it's why I went to Rhythm X is like, we're the punk group. Like, I'm not going to say why. I'm not going to say all the behind the scenes stuff. But um, that is what drove me there is like, we're the misfits. You know, this group that just was started by this guy who's crazy in Columbus, Ohio, Craig Dunn. And it's still the craziest person of all the Rhythm X and, and Tim and just how he is and Fairbanks and Andrew and like you all have this story behind you and this narrative. And I feel like this show is encapsulating that in a way that I don't feel that I've seen since maybe 2013, for example, in terms of a self-representation. So I don't know if that's like what the conversation has been with the members internally, but I definitely felt that as like an alumni of the group. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I think I think that, that's pretty accurate um, as far as how it relates to Rhythm X and the, why, why it's easy for us to relate to the show because we, we are kind of the misfit group and like we, we kind of wear that with a badge of honor, which is maybe good, maybe bad. I don't know. Um, but yeah, a lot of people don't know, like when Rhythm X started, it was started by one guy, uh, Craig Dunn, and uh, help of a couple other people. Kevin Hollis was a big one, uh, the Vasello family. Um, but it was it was a group that was... Um, basically ran and started from the inside. Um, like it was, you know, it was member ran a lot of time. We went through multiple weekends every season where we had no staff. It was just the, the members deciding what we were going to rehearse on. And Hey, we got to add body here. I, I, we saw a video of so-and-so and they beat us and they're doing this choreo stuff in a snare break. We should maybe try that. And it was a lot of just trial and error, mostly error. Uh, but we got it figured out at the end. And it, so it was a lot of, uh, starting from the inside. And then a lot of the staff we have now, I mean, like me, uh, Tim Jackson, and Andrew, like we all marched together. Yep. And then all of us aged out and started teaching the very next year. Um, so that kind of continued. And I, I think around the time where you are mentioning where we kind of lost our way a little bit, I, I, I agree with that. I think it, we lost that edge that we used to have um, where it was, um, I don't really know how to describe it, but I mean, we definitely lost our edge as, as far as the shows were going. I think 2016 was a, was a great year. Um, that was mm -hmm. a fun year. I thought that, that show felt like us. I think yeah. 2018 was a good example of a show that yeah. felt like us. Um, and then, you know, you, you start to get into this um, where every group does this is you start to compare yourself to the groups that are beating you. Right. And so you start to try to learn from them and you start to try to like, okay, well they're doing, they're getting rewarded for stuff like this and that we fell into that, that rabbit hole a little bit and on all levels from, from a design standpoint, from a battery packet audition standpoint, we, we tried to learn. And ultimately like when you do a show like this, you have, you have a, you know, a, a year off because of COVID you get, we, a lot of the conversations were, how do we get that edge back? You know, what do we need? And like, so this year is very much, it's just us, you know, and that, that's what makes it so fun is just 
just feels like classic rhythm acts doing what we do and not really worrying about everything. Cause a lot of times people have, have told us, you know, we got a lot of positive feedback this year, obviously. Um, but a lot of people are saying like, were well, you worried about so-and-so out in out West or so-and-so down South? And like, no, like where and maybe the past couple of years, we would have said like, well, yeah, a little bit, or, you know, we'll try to make sure that like, well, you know, you know, you're, you're trying to cross every T dot every I and lowercase J to try to check all the boxes in the activity. And ultimately what I like most about this show is that it's just raw. Like it, it's clean and it's refined, but it's also just purely, it's pure energy at a lot of points. It's just like, that's what Rhythm X is to me. It's like, it's, it's an energy and performance that you can't create anywhere else. You know, every group has their stick and the, the thing that they do. And I really think that for us, the thing that's always set us apart in the past is just the performance energy. It's just different and it's hard to recreate that. And we, we lost that for a few years, you know, but I think this year, I think it has it personally. Yeah, no, I, I'm super into it. I, I, that, you know, to capture and, you know, to think about rhythm X defined a moment. I mean, you guys come out and play that snare break and it's just like, gotcha. Yep. Quality. Like you can hear the differences between a group that's clean and a group that has quality and is clean. I mean, y'all are playing with that real, real quality. And I feel like that's going to be a differentiator. It, it is from the jump because it comes through and you can tell. Um, it's funny with Rhythm X because Rhythm X doesn't just win. You know, Pulse has won years where I have never seen their show and I never will. Brother, I'm good. I don't need to see that. Uh, some other years, the box year, was it interest? you know, whatever, Tim Burton, they did some things well. I'm good. I watched it. When Rhythm X wins, they win as big as you can win. I mean, 2008, 9, and 13 are three of the best shows ever. Um, you know, is 9 the cleanest show ever? No. You know, uh, is 13 the hardest book y'all probably played? I would say no. I think there's been some harder books. 2014 is actually my favorite Rhythm X drum line ever, personally. Um, one. Dude, that snare line in a lot. I was with you guys. and <laughs> it, was, it was blowing my mind. So... I feel like Rhythm X has this internal standard where the team there knows we're not going to win by being safe. Any success that group has had is by throwing up double birds and going like, we are going to reinvent this thing, like full box six conversation. Like, am I mean box six as in setting that new, new standard never seen before type thing. So it's like, the swing has to be big. You're not going to hit a home run by bunting to go to the classic sports analogies with Josh Brick on the line. It's like, you're going to have to swing really hard. And I think regardless of what happens, you all feel that you're swinging hard and it's going to feel better at the end. It doesn't matter what number is next to it, even though I'm confident it will be between the number one and two, if you ask me, and if I had anything to do with it, um, it's what What's that? We can't come and get you on a panel. Yeah, they should. Honestly, I would be. Yep, they should. Yeah, but uh, I and I'd rather have you judging than a lot of these people out there. But you know, I I think that the feeling y'all are having, taking a big swing, it's going to pay off competitively at the end, and it's going to be recognized that you're not recycling a formula, which is what I feel like. Not only a lot of groups are doing where the formula works, but the groups that kind of live in that mid and bottom tier are just. It's, it's diluted beyond the point that the 
top groups doing their own formula is interesting anymore. Now it's like, it's all shitty. So I just am really frustrated with that. And I just like reject that outright, which is why I like what you guys do, what I am trying to do. I will even give Mystique credit. They are experimenting at least with their own identity this year. I got, I got a chance to see them this past weekend. They're very good. Yep. They're very good. Um, which you always expect out of them, but like, yeah, th- this was a big, for them, that was such a big risk. I, I-, I saw it as a risk and I and like, yep. for us in this activity, risk should be a positive thing only. Like a lot of people look at it and especially a lot of those, maybe those, those mid to bottom tier groups look at risk as a, as a negative thing. And I don't think that that's, that's not how you get in the top. And I, I really nope. don't think that's how you get in the top. Mystique took a huge risk this year with their, with their show concept and it's cool and they're very good at it. And I think they're going to surprise a lot of people at the end. I really do. I mean, I, we, we obviously, you know, rhythm X, we never sleep on Mystique ever. Yep. Um, but I mean, I'm telling you that they're going to, they're going to catch some people and they're, they're very good. And you know, like those, those mid and like the difference between like the, the, the top tier and the, and, and uh, people that are underneath that trying to get there in my opinion is, is, you, you have to create a culture that people want to be in. Mm-hmm. You have to create uh, an experience and a type of show that, that draws people in. I think um, people always forget that. You know, it's, it's, a, it's all about the member experience. I think my favorite thing about RhythmX ever in, in, my, in my 20 years there is that people love being in RhythmX. Like we, we I can only, th- I, less than five total ever um, people have ever left rhythm X to go somewhere else. Yeah. yeah. Five is probably highballing. Um, you know, it, it's that we've created a, a place where people want to be. So the talent wants to come to us. You know, it's like we, we recruit very hard. Um, we, and we're probably, <laughs> we probably go after that more than any other group. Um, but I mean, cause that's like the life, that's the lifeblood of every program. You got to recruit, you got to have talent. Um, but it's also easy for us to recruit because, everybody that's a part of it has positive things to say about their experience. So we're able to get those players, you know? Right. Um, and I think that if, if people who are looking to get into that top tier, the number one thing you can do is, is like, you got to create a, an ensemble, a culture, an environment that people would just, they, they're drawn to and they want to do it. Part of that's the show, but also how do you talk to them? How do you treat them? How do you, uh, you know, all those things, do you treat them like adults or do you treat them like children? Um, you know, I, you, you always hear of like programs, you know, that are, you know, in the Midwest where you can drive within three hours and run into, it feels like 25 independent world groups, um, <laughs> you know, and a lot of them, I hate to say it, but a lot of them don't have great things to say about their experience. Sometimes the ones that write to me, you know, like they, uh, that about maybe wanting to come to rhythm X in the future. Like the, mo- the number one thing they say is like, I just don't like the way they treat us. I don't like the way they talk to us, you know? And so people that want to you have to create a culture that, that people want to be in. And then on top of that, and your design from going back to the design stuff, you have to be willing to take risks. You got to like lay it all on the line and be willing to fail at your design. And the rhythm X has succeeded and we've also failed at the design. Now the good news is like our, our failures don't place that low because we always have such high level talent and we're able to right. pull it together. But a lot of those the younger groups, I mean, you got to be willing to like lay it on the line. I think back a, a good example of that was, I think it was 2015 at, at, at CWP. You guys did the deconstruct show. Yeah. Like totally. Yep. I'm going to say that this is a, a positive thing. It was weird. 
It was, it was, it was good in a weird way. And yeah. because of that, I mean, you guys, you guys crept up immediately into the, like in the competitive ranks of thing right out of the gate. And I thought it was because you guys took a risk. You had talent sure. and you took a risk and it paid off, you know, and, and more groups need to do things like that. Be willing to come up with something new, you know, don't just try to do the old stuff that, and just do it a little better than you did it last year. Like that's not going to get you into that top game. You know, you got to, you got to be, you got to be going after it a little bit. Yeah. I, Oh man, I, I agree with, with all that, you know, as someone who, who marched the group, like I just felt cool being in the group. I don't know how else to say it. I feel like you all expected us to be able to show up and do literally anything you asked. And that is impossible. And that's what we did. Like, and I, I try to really entrust that into the students I teach now. Um, that's one of my major takeaways. It's what makes the groups that I work with special. These, these indoor groups is like, I'm going to ask you to do things at a speed and difficulty that is literally impossible. You're going to fold. I'm going to yell at you. Then you're going to come back the next day and be able to do it. Like, I feel like some of the things that we had to do, the way we learned music. I mean, I don't know. I think you were you were there in 2011, but I, I tell this story a lot where we learned three counts of the snare break at, at the stands. We got on the floor. We staged three counts of the snare break. We went back. We learned the next, like we were doing like learning the music cold, going out, learning the drill, learn the body, like back and forth. And it was like, this isn't how you learn this. This isn't how drum lines do this. There's no way to do it right. There is no process, right? So that makes you so much better and smarter when you're not like this formulaic robot. You're like, I did you get the music first and then we need to track it and then we need to do the drill and then we need to put the drill to the... No, like, is that what we did at Cavaliers and we're really good? Yes, it was like the most process-oriented thing on earth. Brian Tinkle is literally a machine. But what I was able to learn as a designer and teacher from working at X is so advanced it makes students better who aren't even good because they start to believe they can do things that better students aren't being entrusted with i think that's major just in terms of the confidence and the ownership you see with those players on the floor is like they get it this is theirs you just feel that ownership um the other thing that i want to say is just is what you're asking the students to do cool is what you're asking them to wear cool is what you are asking them to do visually cool. Like, for example, Mason this year, we're wearing boxy t-shirt and joggers. That's it. That was a new silhouette for FJM, by the way. No one has ever worn a shirt and joggers, which is mind-blowing to me, first of all. I have to say, such a fundamental part of what I think about, and it's exactly what you're talking about, is I sit down. Okay, what's the music? What's the show? What are we wearing? Is this going to make a 22-year-old feel as cool as possible? Slapping a cat's tail on that uniform, the answer is no. Yeah. I'm sorry, but people out there listening, it's not just the cat tail, but yo, if you're asking your students to wear things that would look despicable in real life, would look and fit insanely on a person who's not of a specific body size yo your students are gonna leave i'm just telling you these are the students that hit us up and are like i'm trying to do something that's cool because you're sticking them in a uniform that you wouldn't wear 
And these groups, like I think maybe a differentiator with, with the top five in the last couple of years, you know, um, if that's the, that's our galactic classes, I think those groups are really, really attending to that. Like, even though I don't agree with what pulse wears or does every year, whatever, I know like John and Ian are really thinking about the students owning that. And you can see and feel that man, when you start to get into some of these groups, like I can only speak on what our group does and I can talk all about in the world, all the great stuff we do. And I know what we do is great. So I don't need to talk about Mason, but there are a lot of groups out there that are not asking the fundamental question of, is this cool for our target audience, our target customer? They're not asking that question. It needs to be asked because they're, they're wondering why no one's showing up. Like it's really obvious. Well, circling back, it's the number one thing you have to worry about is your members experience. Like that's what creates success. When you get people to fall in love with your group and come back year in because they trust you, that's when the talent goes up and that's when the retention goes up. You know, having a great snare drummer one year and then losing them to another group is a failure on your part, not on yep. them. Like when when somebody says, "I want to go," I'm looking for a different experience. That's not right. There's nothing wrong with that kid. There's something they're looking for a, a type of experience that you can't or you're not willing to offer them. Right. You know, it all like the. The, the most consistent thing in that you call them the galactic class groups is all the members have a great experience and the staff thinks about that. It's a, it's at the forefront. Is this show cool? Would, would I wear this uniform? Um, are people going to think that's cool? The years where rhythm X has been less successful are the shows that weren't as cool to the members. Right. You know, like two, Oh, eight, nine, 13, 18, 14, uh, this year, Members love performing that show. They love the uniforms. They love the show. They love performing it. I mean, that's that's the that's the secret. That's that's like the special sauce that goes on at the end that a lot of groups don't get. Like if they don't if they don't like their show, they don't like what they're wearing. They don't they don't feel proud to take the floor. Um, then you're not going to be successful. No matter how good they, no matter how well you teach them, no matter it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at that point. You got to. Create the experience that people want, and and it all and it comes down to those small details. Hey, would would I wear that? You know, I'm not. I don't think I would look very good in the in a lot of the tight uniforms these days. But I think Rhythm X's uniform is very cool, and I think it. I I, I think it's badass. I think it looks great, and the members feel cool wearing it. You know, I, I the West Coast groups always like all of their shows. I would want to. I I would be willing to be in. Like right. the, the, the music is cool. The, the uniforms look cool. Like he, you can get really detailed. Like I don't like that specific design, but they never wear something. You're like, uh, I don't think I'd want to wear that. You start going down the ranks a little bit. There's plenty of the, I don't know if I'd want to wear that. Yeah. There's some, some, some shocking things, but I mean, you have to care about that stuff. It's, it's all about are the members enjoying their time? Cause if they enjoy their time, they they tell their friends. They talk to their friends. Now, now you've got two good snare drummers next year, you know, and, and they talk about the experience. People go, oh, man, I want that experience. They start leaving other groups to come to your group. And you're not even trying, you know. It's the design. Yeah, it, it is. It is. I really think people don't look at the connection between the programming and the experience it's like we have the uh, the organization that's running and like oh there's the teaching and there's like the buses and there's like the schedule and then there's like the design and the drill and the music i don't see those things as separate at all i think that 
it's a total experience. And another thing that I feel like I maybe took from Rhythm X in my experience was the way that we were always able to bring it back to the the experience of the season and the way the show works around it. You know, I think 2011 honestly is like a dark horse amongst the Rhythm X years. And I know that internally, that's a show that's more loved than it was maybe at the time. We were like a little, um, you know, upset with the outcome. Like we felt like we could have done better. And like, I know there's like some of that, but like, I know we all loved that experience. And that group was unbelievably like tight. Like we didn't have drama that year. We just, it was like a very loving situation. And I think the the uh, design really attended to that. 2013 is another good example, where it's like, this is a show about you and your experience being a Rhythm X in 2013. I don't have to explain that. So I guess my point is, I feel like there is 80% of world-class designers, and actually all designers, so I don't just speak on world-class, where they're not creating art for our time. Like Kurt Cobain or any great artist, they're making music that's reflecting their experience in their life and what's going on. Um, and they're trying to speak to it or express it in a way that's that's different. It could be writing a novel, even if it's fiction, it could be write, writing an album, It could whatever. If you are looking at your work, your program, for example, and you're going, what does this have to do with now? And you can't answer that. I think it's a real miss. Right. And I see that where I'm like, I don't know what Lion Cubs has to do with 2022. I don't care about that. I don't know what crows have to do with i don't know what i'm just like making shit i'm just like saying animals right now but um let me think of a, a different show then i'll and i'll stay equally vague i mean i don't know what let's say you know even i don't know even pulse to me right now like through the storm like are you trying to tell me that everything is better are you trying to tell me that everything is fixed? That is a message that to me, it reads inauthentic. Those guys are great. They're going to write the most perfect score. That that musical score was perfect in July. I know it already. But the message being sent is a little bit like everything is better. When you ask me when I see that, oh, we're through the storm. Um, Ad obscura. We are obscure. You can't understand what does that have to do with now? So I feel like when I look at X, when I think about the concept that Mason's doing, it's, it's about in the experience we're having right now. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I like Kurt Cobain's struggles, I think are parallel to what I think current day, 18 to 22 year old people are feeling. Or I guess this year, 20, 24 year old. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. I think there's a, there's a lot of parallels there. Like that struggle and like life is weird and, things are not back to normal and we're trying to make this work and it's not always pretty. Like there's, they relate to it. And because, I mean, you see that, I mean, they're, they're good performers anyway, but then when you give them, when you take a great performer and you set them up with the perfect show, it becomes electric. Mm -hmm. And like, they, they relate to this. Like, and a lot of our, you know, unfortunately, a lot of our players, they didn't really know too much about Nirvana or Kurt Cobain. So we had them watch a lot of, we had them watch uh, documentaries about who he was. Um, none, none of the like, you know, like soaked in bleach and the conspiracy theory ones, but like there's, yeah. um, uh, there's one on HBO. It's called, I think, Mantra of Heck. 
And it's just a, a into Kurt Cobain's life and his struggles and who he was. We had we had, we told the group to all watch that to learn who he was and what he struggled with and, and all of that. And I think that they relate to that really, really well. Yeah, you can tell. I mean, they're always great performers. The restaurant show, DL, like I didn't mind that show. I mean, I know that's not maybe a favorite of the team, but um, I enjoyed that. And I think it was a major response to the previous year when Tom Herrera called finals because of the music. Yeah. Um, and I think that Andrew looked at what happened and he went, oh, you want to do that? Well, check yeah. this out. Yeah. We're going to do – this is going to be – the whole show is based around musical textures and flavors. I mean, it's literally about a restaurant, right? Alinea, right. Um, which is kind of genius in a way. It's also tough because you can't create smells in indoor. Imagine if you could, like cook a steak in the middle of the ballad or something. We, we, we had a we had a few re, we had a few uh, attempts that we were gonna we were talk, talking about doing. <laughs> you have like a, a diffuse, like an oil diffuser, right. where it's like <laughs> onions. We're just gonna fill fill UD with, with uh, popcorn poppers. You just smell buttery popcorn and bullshit. I, that's kind of cool, actually. That's kind of dope. But, but, you know, that was that was one of those years where you could tell Rhythm X was paying too much attention. They are paying too much attention to, yeah. to that previous year because, like, ultimately, you know, if I think if, if it was me judging, I would have put X up in 18. But I also, like, kind of get, like, yeah. RCC was just amazingly refined, mm-hmm. um, whereas X was more visceral and raw because rock music is raw. And right. that challenges our activity. And I'm I'm so much on the side of that viscerality. And I, I'll take expression and experimentation over cleanliness every day because when you watch Kurt Cobain play, there's nothing clean that's going on. You know, he's, he's breaking strings. He's smashing his guitar. Chris Novoselic throws the bass guitar in the air and it hits him in the head. And, you know, yeah, yeah, dude on MTV. And it's like, but, but like, it's so raw. It's so intimate and powerful. And sometimes perfection doesn't do that where I feel like pulse is like a electronic artist where they plug everything into a computer and all the sounds are perfect, but I don't really feel anything about it. It's just, it's just perfect. And that's all I can take away. Right. Um, so I love that about X. And I think that the, the ethos of rhythm X is in line with a, a rock band. I mean, we're a, we're a punk ensemble, right? Uh, and that's always been the case and we all know that. So picking a group like Nirvana, it feels like a great marriage. And now it's going to be a matter of can we get this through people like Omar and Tom Rarick? We're going to be like, well, you know, I went to music school and in music school, we learned that there should be no downbeat and no backbeat and you should be confused. And like, and that's not that those guys don't appreciate normal music. They do shout out Omar and Tom, both great guys. Omar was guest of the podcast, but um, they're more of that highfalutin intellectual side. Whereas somewhere like, like an ex um, is, is less so. And I think that there's a place for all of it. Are you looking for a high-quality apparel made exclusively for the marching arts? That Dan Band Show is brought to you by Lot Riot Apparel. Lot Riot was founded by a drum corps alumni with a mission to create the premier apparel brand in the marching arts. And he definitely accomplished that goal. There's no other brand out there like Lot Riot. No matter what band event you go to, you will see Lot Riot clothing being worn by members, fans, and instructors alike. It is literally everywhere. Lot Riot is the brand that bonds the marching arts community together. They have a passion for band and have a real stake in their customers and the activity. With Lot Riot, you're part of a greater whole, a group of friends, a community. 
I love Lot Riot because they draw on a minimalistic streetwear aesthetic and use high quality materials to create cool, comfortable clothing. Their brand fits my personal style super well, which is why I am proud to have Lot Riot as a personal sponsor, as well as a sponsor of this podcast. Lot Riot is currently offering listeners of That Dan Bancho 15% off all purchases on LotRiot.com. Simply go to LotRiot.com and use the code DANBAND, one word, at checkout and you will receive 15% off everything you buy. But that's not all. Listeners of the podcast use the code DANBAND will also receive an exclusive Lot Riot That Dan Bancho pin and sticker pack for free. So go to LotRiot.com right now to get 15% off your order and a free sticker and pin pack using the code DANBAND at checkout. See you in the lot. To start to speak on what's going on this year, when I look at the West Coast, Pulse, RCC, and Broken City are doing Pulse, RCC, and Broken City shows. And it's going to be up to the judges to decide what direction our activity is going in. So I'm super interested kind of in, in your read on this. I know you've seen Mystique. I know um, Matrix, Connexus, Cap City, Veritas, and Fourth Wall were all at the regional last week or this past weekend, which is two days ago, rather. Um, I'm sure you've seen the videos of, of the other groups. Like, what are you feeling right now? I mean, this isn't just about X, but looking across what's going on, like, what is your kind of read on the atmosphere of everything right now? Um. I think that finals week is going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> I think that there's a lot of really good groups that are scoring well. Uh, everybody's been sitting on ideas for two years. Yeah. Um, so I think everybody's really good. I mean, as far as where I think we're going to finish up, I don't know. I mean, we, I think that depends on a lot of things. I think winning nowadays is you have to check a certain number of boxes and then a lot of it's luck after that. Um, and so I think that we're, we're doing the right things to put ourselves in that running. And we're trying really hard to make sure we, you know, we've, you know, we, we've done everything we can to be as successful. And yeah, we're going to keep doing that the next four weeks. Uh, the California groups are always really good. Uh, it's there's, there's, there's just WGI is just so competitive. Um, there's no weaknesses, really. I mean, the things that you pick apart are just so small. Um, you know, I think Pulse is insanely clean. Mm-hmm. Inner than we are right now. Um, you know, I mean, they're, they're, they're insane. Broken city is insanely clean again. Um, you know, they have their own thing. Like they, they, they have, there's a broken city thing. Um, and they're, they're bought into it this year, especially like it, it feels, you know, they, they kind of have a, a way of doing things and they're all in on it this year. Um, so I think that they, maybe it's worn off a little bit. I, like for me, it's, it's worn off. I get, and it's just, just my personal preference, not nothing against what they do. It doesn't sell me. Um, no, you know, I think, I think what RCC is doing is really cool. Um, I, 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 I think that they, they do a lot of content, like what, especially on the visual side of things, like they're, they're always doing a lot of things. And I think that it's really cool. The way they, they, they always find a way to do a lot of things and never feel like it's too many things. Yeah. It's just, it's put together so well. Um, so I think they like, they're kind of a sleeper uh, at the end of the year. Um, like I said, Mystique is, is fantastic. I think that their show is a big stretch for them, but seeing them this weekend, they do it really well. They mm. buy into their character. They are incredible performers and they, 
and they play really well. I mean, obviously, like they're always like if you want to talk about which groups are always great vertically, front to back, Mystique's got to be in your top two or three every single year. Yep. Um, so I, I think that it's going to be a, the end of the season is going to be extremely competitive. Um, hopefully, we end up in a place that we feel good about. I think that we have a show that's going to allow us to do that. Um, but you know, for us, it's tough because like what kind of what you talked about, like Kurt Cobain is not, he's not perfect clarity. Like his, his lyrics and the way he sang wasn't like, he's not Freddie Mercury, you know, he, right. He, Fidelity is not in the chat. At no, all. it's, it's, it's raw <laughs> and it's emotion and, uh, it's powerful. And, and they, 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 they actually like pride themselves on their ability to create simple music. Like it was always trying to make it as pure as possible. So we've taken that challenge, you know, cause obviously you can't design a show around not being perfect anymore. Um, so we've taken the challenge of like this grunge, uh, these imperfections and this raw emotion. And how do we twist that into being presentable where we're being adjudicated and nobody's going to say that we're weak in certain areas. And that, that's tough. Um, you know, like source material and all of that, that's it, it, a challenge for us to really achieve that. So we're still finding ways to make sure that works. That's why like the, 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 the shadow boxes are a huge part of our design, obviously. And uh, the, the paintings that you see, those are all original Kurt Cobain paintings. Um, so we're trying to, you know, again, check all those boxes. We're trying to not only find the raw and emotional side of Kurt Cobain, but the very artistic um, and creative side that was outside of music. Um, you know, so there's a lot of references to other parts of, of his life. You know, the, I think the paintings are very cool. Um, you know, a lot of people have asked us, like, what, what are those? You know, and I, I wish we... There's no way to describe it in the show and say like, this is a Kurt Cobain painting. Um, but you know, th those are all original Kurt Cobain paintings and, and um, you know, we're trying to find other ways so that we, we can take that grunge nature, that raw emotion, those imperfections and put it into our world where if we have imperfections, we're going to get bumped down at the end of the year. So it, it, it's, it's a unique challenge, but man, I, who's going to place where at the end of the year, who knows? I have no idea. Uh, I think we're doing things to put us in the conversation and hopefully we get a, a good panel and we are able to get clean. I mean, people don't realize, I mean, you know this cause you've marched up here. Like those California groups are clean. They've also been outside all season, you know, Dayton regional last weekend, it was snowing and it was in the low third. Like we're, we haven't, we haven't had any time to drum outside yet. I think, I think we've maybe had two individual like hours where we've been able to be outside this year and, you know, so we're, we're hoping that we get a little lucky with some weather soon. And we're going to be able to get outside and start to get as clean as those guys. But as of right now, they're cleaner than we are. It's a huge factor. It's interesting. We've been talking about it, Mason, because we've had some good weather. We've been outside, but we also had the same, you know, snow, rain type deal. But there is a slight advantage to be had if you're Midwest and East that we could get to finals and have some cold weather and we are going to be built for it. And those teams are not. So that is kind of an interesting possibility is, you know, Pulse can play clean outside all they want, 85 degrees. But once you come to Ohio and it's like 40 for the rest of us, that's fine. Yeah. Just put on a light but jacket. For those, right. It's a light I'm going to be in the tank top flexing. But for them, it's going to be it's going to be a huge adjustment on specifically on their tuning and their hands. So um that's always a big factor. Um, and of course, finals week magic. We don't know what, what it's going to bring. You know, I saw Matrix pop in some crazy sub captions. Some of these visual judges going super high with them with the lights and the TVs. You know, that's not really 
my cup of tea, but I mean, Matrix is always consistent in that six, seven slot. So I'm interested what they're doing. It seems like Infinity has their shit together this year that they could be in a range. Um, you know, we've been consistent in, in where we've been kind of ranked nationally. Um, you know, United, they beat us this last weekend, but we won five out of the eight captions and we had a major part of our show fail. So I have no really worries about them long term because I think what we're doing is a lot more different just in the full read of everything they're going to turn into kind of looking like some of the other groups whereas we are we've really staked out our own thing we don't have any props like we have one prop and we the first thing we do in the show is we break it and that's that's the whole point of the show um smart you know so (laughs) i i feel good, good about what we're doing and there's some of these other groups that just you know they're not really looking at what they're doing objectively um they're just like kind of assuming we've always been at the bottom of finals so we're going to be in finals i gotta tell you i could see some perennial finalists not going on this third round i I agree with that you know i mean you know the regional scores are always they're always helpful you know like last weekend was so fun like dayton regional the california regional the east coast regional like you get a good read of a lot you get to you we see a lot of numbers but comparing those is tough i mean even at the dayton regional you know our score went up from one night to the next. You know, Matrix's score went up like three points from one night to the next. Uh, there was a, a Scholastic Open group that made a 10-point jump from one show to the next. Same panel. Uh, di- different panel. Different panel. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So we had different but panels. Still. But, like, that, that, that tells you kind of the volatility of, like, what finals we could be. Yeah. I mean, you could go on on Thursday because I think uh, we're still doing, like, Thursday one panel then the same panel Friday, Saturday. I believe so. Yeah, I, I kind of hope so. Yeah. Yeah. So that that could tell you, you just get the wrong read on that last panel. You know, instead of jumping up three points, you could be dropping down three points. Which is like it's tough because that can be possible. Like obviously, we need to be welcoming variation, mm-hmm. um, but the boxes and tents mean something. So like for a group to go from a seven five to an eight five overnight is on paper, literally impossible. Yep. Um, so that's a fuck up, if you ask me, because that's like a sometimes to a usually or whatever the box. I forget exactly what it is, but it's like the group did not make a qualitative jump like that. Like maybe even three points. I mean, the problem with the regionals is because, you know, y'all are a big one. I mean, you're lucky that you, that you get to see MCM early and that even, you know, uh, cap city, a Conexus, Veritas, those lower groups get sort of a read, but the judges are completely afraid to put you at the actual spread. You should be at like, it's not really a realistic spread. They're going to keep X and mystique pretty tight. They know where it's going to end up at the end. They're not really going to be like, you know what? Rhythm X is really this and Mystique is really here. And we can explain that. I think there's still that fear of like, well, we don't want to like make too big of a move too. So it's interesting. I I can't, you know, I can't tell you why that like 10 point jump happened, but that that's pretty weird. Well, I mean, yeah, obviously we we should, we should always be accepting, you know, a variety variance in the scores i mean we, we want the most honest scores that we can get out there when you see groups jumping three four five points from one night to the next i mean and like let's be honest i mean on, on those regionals it's like a saturday night to a sunday afternoon like what the hell did you do in your morning block on sunday 
You know, I mean, that's a, it, it just, it's kind of just extreme. Um, yeah. So like, I mean, should groups be able to jump up and down? Absolutely. Three points at a time, four points at a time. Uh, that, that, that seems pretty, pretty extreme. I mean, even like, you know, I teach at, at Centerville and on Centerville's prelims performance, we had like a high 83 and finals, we had a low 89 and they had no rehearsal in between. Like all oh, the only rehearsal they had was a 22 minute warm up, and that was it. That that makes me a little worried that judges can get a little. I, I don't think you should have any fear in putting down the number you truly believe in. As a, as like a head judge or somebody that's running the contest, I would say I think we need to take a look at this a little bit. Like that seems how one of those because when you have something like that, one of those numbers is wrong. Like one one of those can't be right if there's that big right. of a jump, a six point gap, a four point jump, whatever it might be. One of those numbers is wrong, and now, now, like as a, as a group, as somebody that's like planning out the rest of the season, I don't know which one's wrong anymore. You know, so I, I think that's a little weird. I mean, even even in Rhythm X's case, you know, we went from a low ninety four to a ninety five or a high ninety three. Yeah, high ninety three to a ninety five. Our show was definitely better on Sunday. Was it um, a one and a half points better? I don't know. When you start getting when you get up into that range of scores, it's hard to make that jump. I mean, the quality, if somebody said night one says you're a 93.65 and you have a better show, you might, you should expect like maybe a 94.0 if, right. if it's really accurate judging. So I, th- I think even our number jumped up too much, you know? Yeah. It's like they're giving you a bigger number because they have a better read or something, you know? Right. It's like, oh, I got so much more out of it. So like, I guess a question would be like, are shows meant to be read once or are they meant to be read twice? Um, <laughs> I'm because because that's what you're really talking about, right? Is what what's the genuine read? Should we be designing for the read to be cold, or should we be designing for the read to be like a little bit educated? I know where I stand for sure, at least what I prefer, but I don't know. I don't know how they're trained. Like, are they trying to go? Do they watch videos? Are they researching? Like, what does that look like? Well, I know, I know. So for us, this we had we had a, the two night show, two day show. And we had a different panel on each show. And so they, they, WGI does the thing where they don't release recaps from the first show. And they do that so that they're trying to keep the, the next day judges from being influenced whatsoever. So it's supposed to be two very genuine reads. And I think that's good. That system is fine. I think you should be designing shows to be rewarded on one read. Like that, that's my opinion. Your show should be, should stand on its own. You shouldn't need an explanation. Um, for your show. If you have, if you feel like, Oh, I got to explain this in critique, you need to rethink the idea. That's my opinion. Um, so I think that that system is, is fine. I think the system is good, but I think that when you, you know, look at the Dayton regional, um, you know, groups jumping multiple points from night to night, that, that, that means there has to be some sort of inconsistency in the judging. There's no way one group had a performance that was so bad on Saturday and it was so good on Sunday that without like a penalty or something like that, I mean, like, I just don't think you should be jumping four points from night to night with one rehearsal block in between, you know? And that, that does bug me a little bit finals week because I think your show should be one read. And we always, we have one judge on Thursday and the same judge judges do Friday and Saturday, if I remember right. Yeah, that's, that's right. And if, so I think in terms of like the value of a 10th, if you're a point, ahead of someone, it means like, this is not a night to night difference. Like 
you are not going to catch up. So if you yourself are jumping three points from one night to another, it's like they're saying that you're so much better the next day that it's like not comparable to what you did the day before. And that is confusing to me. I guess it's pseudo subjective. Like if you're within box five, you know, nine, zero to nine to a hundred or nine, nine, that it can slide around. But it's like, to go from a nine three to a nine five would or like even one point five points beating yourself that high is like it's not to me that doesn't read consistent with what the value of a tenth is meant to say right absolutely absolutely and you know that 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 keeps it exciting for finals week I guess like the third because that basically means the Thursday night scores Thursday to Friday for independent world finals could be incredibly different <laughs> so. It's kind of it's, it's yeah. kind of scary, but then from Friday to Saturday, they're probably not going to change that much because it's the same panel. You know, I, they'll change a little bit, and I think WGI always does a better job than DCI as far as like making calls on the final night. I, I think it's a little less it's it's a little less political than DCI, um, but that may, that makes me nervous as a group that's trying to be at the top at the very end. You know, some some groups jump around like uh, you know Dayton Regional. I worry about some of the groups got some numbers this past weekend that they might not match that number in four weeks. Definitely not. I mean, there's there's some some groups got some high numbers. You know, us included, us included. Like, I, to me, the fact that we got a 95-0, that's too high. That's that's, that's too high of a number. For yeah. us, I, I think it's, I, I would agree. Yeah, it's just too I would high. agree. There's no, there's not going to be a linear progression through the end. There's going to be groups that take hits that go down into box four when they were in box five. That's not super consistent with what those boxes mean. And I think that is an issue like Matrix beating Mystique and music straight up um, in the music caption. I was like, hmm, not sure that that's going to hold. That was, I think that was Brian Mason. Um, just interesting call. I wasn't there. I don't know. But it was like, uh, yeah. it was the visual GE numbers. Or maybe it was a straight up visual. There was like, um, I know Matrix won Visual G. I know Matt Stevens had them up, but he had, or the music judge had, the Nuts and Bolts music judge had Matrix up on Mystique. Yeah. So I'm interested. Is Mystique, is it the book is too easy? Like their battery book to me reads easier than some of the other years they've had. It seems like it's a little bit mm, easier. I don't know. Uh, maybe. Uh, I think that they're, they're doing a lot of variety, which I think is very cool. Um, like, by variety, I mean like instrumentation. I think, I think washboards, harmonicas. Yeah. Um, so I think that's I think that that's cool. I wouldn't call their book easy compared to like I mean maybe a little bit, but I don't think so. I think especially like the base book, I think is more difficult this year for them. I'm trying to find this number because I know there was a yeah like a, a, a visual effect number at a Dayton regional nine six nine seven. That's too high. Like that's. You have four weeks. You have three tenths. That's it. Yeah, like th those numbers. I'm not saying that they didn't deserve to be in first, but I'm I'm saying that I think the numbers management of the judging at Dayton Regional was a little out of out of control. Well, you know, it it, it happens in. So, for example, I, I think part of the issue is the basement number, where like you look at 2019 finals. I don't have that pulled up, but. Their, Broken City was getting caption or getting hundreds and captions that I could read ticks in easily. Like I refuse to believe that you're a hundred music when you're tearing for 32 counts straight and any dodo with ears can absolutely tell that you're blowing up. Yeah. But you're getting a hundred like, well, you know, 
on the left side of the box, like you said, risk should be rewarded. Mm. But that's why there's a left side of the box. Great, 100 in comp. It's as hard as it gets. But the right side cannot be in 100. Right. So there's some fear of sub-caption integrity that I feel like I see always where it's like, well, if it's this, it's this. And if it's this, like they like to just slot everyone on their sub-caption instead of like, you know, um, you know, Rhythm X is clearly first in their achievement right now. And then maybe they're like second in the book is how I'm perceiving it. Or like some of that, like, and that's just like, I don't mean that, but that would be an example where I think a lot of judges are like two, two, two. I don't know. Like they're just right. kind of, they just like to stick all the subcaptions together. And what they tell us is like, well, the, the line between the subcaptions is dotted. It's like, what the fuck are you talking just about? Just get rid what of one. <laughs> Yeah, just have one number. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you there. I think the consistency of the judging, you know, I think it's the initial number. It's it's where you – because once you put that number down, then you're just kind of judging spreads. Uh, Right. So, But but we got to be careful with that. Like, you know, and I I say this including my own group. The top three scores at at Independent World at at Dayton Regional were too damn high. They were too high from all of them. Like, like, I don't think we deserved a 95. I don't think that Matrix deserved a high 93. I'm not saying that. That doesn't mean they're good or that doesn't mean that they're the third place group of that show. I'm just saying, like, those numbers are too high. I mean, California, right. you know, like the top two groups jumped three points. They had like a, a, a mid-92 and they ended up at a mid-95. Right. That's a three-point jump from both groups. I think they were, and I think they were like a tenth or two-tenths. Uh, apart in both shows like how do you how do you jump three points from night to night you know that, that's and because and, and, that's when everybody starts freaking out and now everybody's like oh rhythm x got 95 and these two california groups also got now we got three groups in the 95s right like yeah i don't think any of us probably deserve the 95 i'm being honest i i yeah it's unfortunate because on paper that should kind of work like okay I can look at every group who has broken box five and like that should say something about where those groups are at. Right. Um, and maybe it does. Right. But according to what we're talking about, like it kind of throws a wrench in that because like, would this push everything down? Would it make the collapse a little bit tighter? Like it's, it's hard to, it's hard to say. So like, you know, I'm obviously checking the national ranks because I'm a psycho and that's just what right. I'm going to do because I have to because the competition matters to me. Right. And then simultaneously, I'm like, yeah, I know that we are like better than this group and we're like worse than this group or or whatever, like that these numbers are skewed. So it's like, I wish we would just kind of blow the lid off and be like, let's let the judges talk. Let's let the judges see recaps. Mm-hmm. Let's let the judges watch videos like. It's it's like oh it's show of the night but don't you know Tim Fairbanks writes the drill don't you know Mike Jackson writes the music don't you know Kevin Shaw right like right. they all know everyone and we all know them so right. it's not show of the night it never is what, what if, if it was show of the night it would be fucking Mary J Blige judging this shit right. like not Mike Lightsky who marched with the Mets right yeah what what if we did like Olympic gymnastics style scoring like the group gets off the floor and within thirty seconds to a minute you get your score. And yep. that, yeah, then you don't get to you don't get to change them after that. Like, I wonder how much that would change the overall numbers. I'm I'm kind of in favor with it because I think what what they say is supposed to be happening. I know Mark Thurston is saying it, but we are not going to be able to rid the relationships out of this dynamic. And I think that that plays a role here. It plays a role in DCI. Like, say what you will, Vanguard's really clean, but Paul is a 
political savvy person and he instills fear in all the judges because if they don't do the right shit they might not judge like they may receive blowback from their supervisors because paul has clout so it's like is it show of the night or is it you're judging paul rennick you're judging shane gwaltney who's going to come for your throat if you don't put the right number down i i just it's like why don't we just come out and be like presenting their program art shape box yeah, just don't say it. You just do your show. Like, don't even say who it is. You'd still be able to tell who everyone is. Yeah, you would. If you're part. <laughs> I would. <laughs> yeah. I, I would. Yeah. I, I just, you know, I, I hope that, it, you know, for everybody in the activity, don't freak out about the numbers as much. You know, like, worry about your placement. And, you know, if you went from a, a an 8-10 spread to a point and a half, like that doesn't really matter. I, I just, just kind of worry about the placements going into the end. You know, that, that kind of, that's kind of a better barometer, but you know, cause I, I do feel bad because I think some groups at the Dayton regional got some numbers they might not get at finals. And that, that's kind of, you know, when you, when you worry about that sort of stuff or you start to hype that sort of stuff, you always run the risk of like, what if you don't, you know, if, if you were a group, that got a number that was historically high and then your number at the end of the season is lower. Are your members going to be disappointed right. because you hyped that so much? Yep. You know, yes. like, it's just, it's, it's a little dangerous and we all do it. I, you know, when I saw we got a 95, I was hyped, you know, I mean, that's, that's, yeah, of course I was, um, you know, but you have to try to, you have to try to remind yourself to not worry about that as much. Like, you know, California groups got this, uh, Dayton regional got this, the East coast regional got this. Like they all don't really matter. The placements are what matter. Like this group won that one, this group won that one, this group won that one. You can kind of dig in past that. But like the, that is what I think is more important about those regionals and the numbers are like, clearly they can jump a lot from night to night. So. Yeah. It all is insanely subjective. Even with, you know, our, our run, like we had a much better run the first round than the second round. We had electronics blow up in a penalty, but our spread went way down. You know, we won the majority of the sub captions, but lost overall because someone made a call. And ultimately what we're doing is way more different than what let's say the other group is. So I think it's, it's a different experience when you watch all 25 world-class groups even the rank is going to shake out differently. Um, those top five, those uh, even the top five, you know, I, RCC is going to be a dark horse. I think that's going to be interesting. I think Mystique is going to be interesting. I think Pulse and uh, Broken City and you all, I feel like are pretty firm in the top three. If you ask me, just my, my take on it. Um, I think there's some vulnerabilities in the other two that people could capitalize on. We're definitely going to see. I mean, those are historically winning groups. So of course they're going to get the benefit of the doubt, right? But when you see those 25 groups in a row, it just is going to change how certain things shake out, how comparisons happen. Um, and like you said, who is going to be the first round panel? You're like, Oh, I hope it's Skojo and not Rarick, or I hope it's Lee and not this person. Like, you know, you know who likes X and you know who historically doesn't. So you're also like, well, do I want the judge who's in favor of us in the first round so that we get a nice big start? Or do we like want to save the good judges for the the end? You know, so it's like, because that first night does make a difference. If you go in and you pop one and they situate you right, you're feeling a different type of way. You're going into semifinals and finals, like feeling super confident. So it's like kind of a toss up Yeah, how that's, you know, what what's the preference there anyway? Like it's tough. Yeah. It, that's why I say like a lot of the, the end of the season stuff is luck. 
You know, I mean, when you, it's, it's, you're not going to be popping crazy numbers when you're looking at 25 groups. Right. Know, like you're going to see, there's going to be the groups that do traditional indoor shows and do them pretty well. You know, we, and we, we could name a bunch of groups that probably do that. And then you're going to see groups that are doing indoor differently, that are bringing something different to the table, something that's unique. And then those are the groups that are going to stick out. Like I, I, I hope, I think, and I hope that what Rhythm X is doing is going to feel different than everybody else. So now regardless in that first show and those 25 groups that are in order, regardless of where we line up in those 25 groups, uh, we're hoping that what we're doing is going to stand out. That's the risk you take when designing a show. Did you come up with an idea that is going to make you stick out in a crowd? Or did you come up with something that's cool, you know, that has, but it's just like normal indoor and you're just trying to find new ways of doing it. You know, like, like to me, like, you know, doing, uh, shows about, you know, incorporating things like, like light fixtures or, uh, animalistic type shows, that sort of things like th those are, those are cool. Those are good. And then you're going to be successful in the end, but that's not going to get you into the top. I just, I just, I, I, I think that I, I that's just, that's again, my opinion. I just, I just don't think that that's, that's, what's going to, those, those top groups have such a different element. There's just something when you watch them, you feel different. You see something different. It's presented different. Um, not just good or bad. It's, it's also different. And it, and it makes you just feel as a spectator, you're seeing something new, you know? Right. I think when you put those 25 groups, the groups that are, the groups that are, are kind of going after that are going to separate themselves. I, I think. I, I mean, it's just the communication. I, I think that you could, well, there, there's the, there's the design, the crafting as well. But I was going to say like, if you took the Broken City players and you plug them into Cap City show, they certainly communicate better, but even then, like their ability to communicate the way they do is because of the thing, the umbrella they're under, right? And it's tough to coach someone into performing or communicating something that really has nothing to do with them, right? It's just like this idea that you cooked up or you know, to your point about lights and TVs is like, I think it's outright dangerous for judges to reward groups who are using money to get effect points. I don't agree with that. And that being said, United has 30,000 plus dollars worth of TVs and lights, and we beat them in visual across the board with a 3D printed vase that we break. So it's like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, so that to me tells me, the judges are looking at the right stuff, which is like visual construction, the visual journey, pacing, flow, choreography, nuance, detail. Like those are the things that we should be rewarding. Not like your budget allowed you to buy spotlights that ultimately like just distract you. Yes, it's high production, but it's like, is that what we want? Like, and, and you know, DCI is even worse. Like the equivalency between the core's placement and the amount of money they have in their budget is way too similar. It's way too congruent. That feels scary to me, I guess I would just say. Like, I'm afraid that's a slippery slope into buying the competition. Yeah, it's, it's, it's dangerous for sure. Um, you know, whether or not it's a, a, I think it's a smart strategy. If you have the ability to do that, you might as well get some points for it. You know, I mean, I know that, to me, the biggest risk you run is like, what if it doesn't work? 
You know, what if it what if the lights be, don't work? What if it almost never works at finals? Right, like uh, that because then <laughs> then you're when that when that doesn't work when you put all your eggs in that basket. And if it doesn't work, if it doesn't work, then they start looking at your performers, and then you know you're putting them in a real vulnerable situation. I'm not saying it's a bad strategy; it's just, it's a risk. Every design choice is a risk, you know, and it's clearly working, you know, but at the end, is it going to be enough? You know, because ultimately, like what I think it comes down to is like your your the show you've picked, then your performers and the way they perform them, and it is the is the concept something that the performers could rely like you could rely on the performers alone. You yes, know? and if you've, you've done that, then I think you've really hit something special. I really do. I just think it's weird that that's not what everyone's trying to do i feel like i have this like secret or something maybe because of the experience with x where it's like if your kids can't explain what the show means to them then like what choices did you make like who is this for like where did this come from for me like every year like especially i I just want to put something out there that feels like it only makes sense in that year um it's relevant to 2022. It's relevant to right now. Um, and I think there's shows that are just like, we have this show that we've always wanted to do and now we're going to do it, but it's not responding to the times of where the group is at. It's not responding to like, even where WGI is necessarily at. Like that being said, there are groups that have made such an insane blunder trying to be broken city. No. Like Monarch has lost its way. A shout out. I love them, Ben Piles, Richard. Like I am friends with these people, but guys, like be yourself. Like I'm seeing people, Infinity, Strike, this group, that group, groups I can't remember, Fourth Wall, this, that. You are all just trying to emulate Mike Jackson. And not only has it diluted what Broken City is doing, because like you said, it just doesn't hit like it used to. Because everyone is doing it. And for them, they don't have the horses. So it's like, great, you created this transparent snare moment and you can't play. I can hear how you can't play at the gut edge. So you're hanging your hat on the excellence factor and you don't have it. So now you don't have anything. You just have a vacant construction that you stole from something that worked two years ago. And I think like almost half of the world teams are that. Yeah, there's a little bit of an imitation game that goes on in independent world, um, and you you see that mostly in the in the lower tier of it. But you know, yeah, right. I, I I I would just want to encourage everybody to like just try to be unique. You know, like like whatever whatever you believe in, you know, because everybody believes in the way, whether it's the way you play or the type of music you like to perform or whatever it might be, whatever yeah. your design process is, like make sure that it's you. You know, like that, that's, that, that's the most genuine thing you can, you can, you can be is just yourself. Um, you know, the, the good parts and the bad parts, you know, like the, the Kurt Cobain uh, concept we're doing is, is a perfect example of that. Like we're embracing a lot of the, the bad parts, you know, of Kurt Cobain, like his struggles. And then it, it's not just a listen to all of our favorite Nirvana tunes and everybody's going to love it. I mean, it, it's, you know, we're trying to show the other side of it and, and, just trying to be ourselves, you know, like, and then kind of seeing that what he was and what he stood for and what he was about is very similar to us, you know, as the, as performers, I mean, like I said, 18 to 24 year olds currently, 
you know, like there, there's a lot of struggles and there's a lot of angst and, un, and discomfort and all that stuff. And so we're trying to create something that's very genuine. Like we, we want, we want our performers when they perform, number one, they want to perform it. And number two, it feels real. When you, as a, as an audience member, you watch them perform, it feels real. Um, there's a lot of indoor shows where people try to portray emotions that aren't genuine, right? That are just kind of like, like fake, fake feelings. And that's cool. Very effective. Um, but at the end of the year, that has a limitation to it. And it just, it doesn't. It doesn't feel as genuine as I think it could be. So a lot of people, you know, just, just trying to be, be yourselves, be, be real. These kids are not actors. Right. So slapping a costume on a kid and telling him to roar like a lion is just not going to be the same as express the music that you hear. Like, what does this music say to you? That's what you should feel. Like I, we didn't stand in the line at X, and it was like, in this moment is about the first time you fell off your skateboard and bruised your knee, and you should be, you should be showing like <laughs> that is baloney. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, yo, like the music's telling you exactly what you need to do, and like I think a parallel to this, like the the acting thing that we think we're doing is, uh, and I say this as someone who literally did like a movie in 2020, like we literally did a genre piece, and it, that was tough. Like it was tough for us to to train that part of it because I'm a drummer. Right. Um, and I think the similar one is like the movement thing is like, does everyone have to start their show with the drums off and do a minute and a half color guard ballad? Does everyone have to take their drums off in the middle of the show and do a ballad? Cause we don't take the drums off at our snares and quads do not take their drums off period. Period. You know what I mean? Like, because we are not dancers. Right. So you, even a good drum line, it doesn't look good. Like, I'm sorry, but like you can have the best choreographer and, and she or he or they might be amazing move pe- movers and maybe they are great choreographers, but you're trying to make them do something that people who have been dancing their whole lives are good at. We are not. We are not a guard. Not to mention color guard people don't have to create the soundtrack. And this goes back to DCI and the choices you make and how it leads to like your time buckets. So now I see groups who like have these like huge movement ideas. They pick the drums up and they can't play. Right. And it's like, yo, like you're spending hours on blocks doing sit rolls and no one in the panel can tell the difference between like good, bad, the different. Like it's just, oh, you did body. They don't actually care. We haven't, dude, we have a single section. It's the beginning of the show where we have some people with their equipment down not a single person has been like, you really need to, th- like, we got a nine, four, nine, five and Vish, you know, not that the number, your number is relative, but it's, it's compulsory. People are doing this because they think they're supposed to, and not because they can do it or want to do it. Snare drummers don't like to dance. Everyone, they don't like to dance. Stop putting the show. I'm talking right to you. <laughs> Fucking stop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're not, we're just not good at it. Um, which is where I think like Tim, like Tim Jackson, I think he's great. Um, because he, the choreo that he writes for us, um, looks good with a drum on your body. Then he's, we're never really asking the performers to try to do things that are unnatural. Like we don't, we don't really ask them to dance at rhythm acts. Like there's, right. There's some like thematic things that we'll do for sure. You know, but a lot of what we do is, is, you know, it needs to look good with the drum on the body. Like. We, we take the drums off for a little bit, but it's normally when they're, it's in the middle tune and they're going in and out of the boxes um, for us. But like, there's no, I don't think there's, 
No, there's not. There's no moments where we're on the floor and the drums are not on the bodies. Um, right. And Rhythm X has tried to bring guard people in, and it just doesn't work. Like, right. it's Rhythm X is the drummer's drumline. Yeah. If you have, it's it's all about what you can play. I mean, the things that I got exposed to there, and like what we played, like it's just meat and potatoes. Like, if you want to be in a badass drumline, do it. Like I feel like these groups asking their kids to take the drums off and dance. It's like, this is the anti-recruiting tool right. for the record. You are sending kids somewhere else. Cause I don't know how to teach dance. You don't know how to dance. This is a losing battle. Well, and, and is the juice worth the squeeze? Like you nailed it. Like if you, if you do all this advanced dance stuff, you know, the chances that the, your visual judge or visual effect judge can accurately critique what you're doing is probably low. There are some out there that can, but it's a small percentage, I think. Yeah, it's a small percentage. So you're always running that risk. You're putting a lot of energy into that. It's just going to get comments that are, the, the commentary is not going to equal the amount of energy you're putting into it. Exactly. Exactly. And ultimately, if you get Matt Stevens, who is a guard background, if you get Michael Gantz, who has a guard background, yeah, they might, but they will also see on your performers that they're in like discomfort mode right. versus when they pick the drums up that they're in their comfortable, comfortable area. Right. So it's like, not to mention, as we said, music captions are worth 60% and visual are 40. So it's like, literally you should only spend 40% of your time doing visual oriented things. If that, right. Yeah. Like so it's just one of those things like, well, Pulse does body, so we have to do body. Well, do you have Rochelle Mapes who lives with John Mapes right. and they can like highly coordinate this within their relationship? No. Do you have Pulse's players who are well-trained? No. Do you have RCC's players who are well-trained in Blue Devil? No. So it's not the same. Right. Like it's not the same. And I think your point about Tim is great because you can tell like – I can always tell when it's like, oh, this is the part of the year where they brought this like dance person in to do dance and now they cut all of it and Tim fixed all of it. Like you can completely tell yeah. and like the, it always looks better afterwards. Yeah. yeah. Like it just it just does and I've, I've been there. I didn't come to any group to do the visual thing even though Cavalier specifically and I'm sure you're going to love just – you know, what they do, and especially when I was there, I mean, obviously we were like in the legit dot system. Um, that was great. I'm not, I'm not shitting on the visual aspect at all. I'm, that's my, that's my entryway into this for the most part. But um, we've got to ask the students to like do things that, that it's, it's just cool. Like I, yeah. I just can't wrap my heads around the things that we're asking them to wear. Some of the music that we're choosing to do some of the sounds coming out of the speakers, it's like, would you put this on in the radio or does this sound like a car accident? Right. Like, I don't know. I don't, I like, this is why I have this podcast. So like we can talk about these things because for us it's second nature, but like, I'm, I'm still confused because I see these people making bad decisions and I just want to like call them, but I'm obviously not going to. Right. And they probably won't hear this because they're too confident. So good. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's why you get Cavaliers, you know, like, to me, Tim Jackson is he's he's the best in the game. So we got him at Cavaliers now too. So he's going to do all the all the drumline body stuff there, right? You know, yeah. Try. I mean, from the drummer side of things, like you want to participate, and we need to be pushing the boundary, especially on the visual side of things. Like I I live in the camp that music is first, but I want me I want the visual side of things to be an equal contributor. Also, I think right. we should be pushing the activity to find what's next always. 
Um, inside of that, though, we have to be careful that we don't try to do too much too soon. Um, and we're being responsible because you're, uh, some people just don't understand what it feels like to have a drum on your body. And when someone right. says, try to move this way, it's like, well, I can, I can, it doesn't feel great or it's very uncomfortable or it'd be easier to do it this way. And like guys like, you know, guys like you and, and Tim, like you guys are perfect for that because you've spent years with the drum on the body. Like I can yep. achieve exactly what you're asking me to do, but we just need to do it this way because of what's on the body. Okay, cool. Now we've created a cool moment and it's just a, a, a moment that was started with a conversation of experience. Like I get what you're trying to say, but we're not going to be able to do that right away. You're going to have to let us do it this way. Great. Now there's a middle ground. Now we've got a really cool moment that works for everybody, you know, but it's, it, it's going to be achievable. Like we don't, we don't need to be having the drums off and cartwheels and backflips right away. Not to mention, man, I have yet to see anyone produce a drums off and on better than just hiding it. And like, I'm watching groups just fire drill visual transitions so they can run off the floor, dump their drums, run on the floor. And they've spent a substantial chunk of music in a transition that that's leading to something. We don't do that. So we don't have any visual transitions, for example, you know, that's just what we wanted was highly minimalistic. So it's like, we're going to not take the drums off. And if we do, it's going to be in this way so that it's never about, well, we need to do this drill so that we're out, change the drums, come back on and do our dance moment. I think what Rhythm X is nailing right now is those shadow boxes, they act like a, a stage hand or like they act like a trap door where y'all can just disappear people and then they just come out of nowhere. And it really reminded me of 2011, to be honest, yeah. the, the coordination of those and how many there are in the way that I knew it was a magic trick right away. I was like, okay, they're going to be dropping people in here and then they're going to be coming out somewhere else. And I'm not going to know how that works. And the fact that Tim can even figure that out, that's what's going to get you the perfect visual score. Yeah, it's it's tough. And it, you know, uh, I think Tim Fairbanks posted a video on his Facebook uh, last weekend where it was like a, just a time-lapse video from behind the props. It's chaos. It's, it's, it's organized and choreographed chaos, but it, it's the performers are doing a, a wonderful job of handling responsibilities and taking them very serious. It, it's, it's high risk. It is very high risk. Cause I mean, the, the, the getting in and out of the props and moving the props, and then they have the paintings that go up in the props at different times that are all cued with music and curtains up and curtains down. Yeah, that's a lot. They're doing a lot uh, that people yep. don't see. And, and the, they hype on it because at the end of the end of the day, it's creating a product that's very unique. So they're all about it, but it's, it, it's, it's taken a lot of work. And, People don't like to do that work because it it, is, it takes a lot of time out of rehearsal. You know, where, where I, if I'm running rehearsal and I just want to be cleaning the music, but we got to spend 45 minutes on getting these transitions right. This prop's moving later than it should be. Hey, why? What's the holdup? It's a lot of problem solving. It's a lot of frustration and it's a lot of patience. So I know I know why a lot of groups don't like to do big projects like that, but it's totally worth it. Um, it just it takes patience and time. And you need someone equipped, like people who would take that on, who don't have the right person, you're going to fail. Tim Fairbanks is a math genius. He is the Michael Gaines of indoor drill, and he is equipped to do that. So that project is right up. 
I saw that. I was like, that's a Tim Fairbanks special. Like I, it resonated with me. I got it. I understood the challenges. I'd be able to reward it as a judge. So I look forward to being on the panel at finals for you guys. Um, but <laughs> like I, I can appreciate why that's so hard, especially the blind part of it. Cause Pulse, like they have their prop that like, they're like their little like donut things that like break up. They like move, but you all have that blind part where it's like, if I go in the wrong one of these, if this messes up, like it's such a ripple effect and you literally would come out in the wrong place. It's like an Escher painting, right? So um, I hope that the judges at the end can appreciate because you're going to, the not a problem, but part of what Tim is able to do is it's so geometrically correct that it comes off like it's easy. Right. So now it it's one of those things like with Mike's writing, it only can be rewarded when it's when it's ticking it's like oh yeah that's gonna be hard because i can tell that's hard because you fucked that up versus like i can't i don't know how you're doing this so this must be an insane challenge and i'm gonna reward it and it's seamless and so i'm definitely interested to see like how the visual and the visual effect guys read that at the end because i know that looks like such a huge project yeah it takes a lot of time of our rehearsal all the time and like we have people that are dedicated to to working on the props and and I mean it's 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 really incredible having staff members that are just dedicated to that alone. Um, it's it's a it's a full process. It's a it's a full brigade of help that needs to make that happen. It's a, it's, so I'm glad it's being recognized because it's it's yeah I think it's very cool. It's not really something we've seen. Uh, you've seen it maybe done before, but not to this scale. Yeah, it's it's fully integrated, and not to mention. Just how it all comes together, the idea of an art-shaped box, it's the box, it's the floor, it's the arena, it's the metaphorical box that we design in, it's being trapped in a, the, that creative box. Um, I feel like that is is going to be a big one. Just if someone can really get the meta part of it. Um, like man in the arena that it just really is a conversation about what we all do right that should put you over the edge obviously like i hope that nothing crazy happens like 2018 i think that you have all attended to those things it feels like the front plays a bigger role mm-hmm. and the virtuosity of the of the actual mallet playing is a much bigger facet and obviously dr lane is still up in there <laughs> That relationship has been building between him and Andrew, and I'm sure Lane informs Andrew about what's contemporary marimba, how that that like I'm sure that conversation happens much like you and Tim. Um, so it feels like that's not being ignored. Like something was learned in 2018 that's being pulled into this, but not in a way where we're sacrificing the identity of the group and what the group does best, which is like just hang it and say we don't care, we're gonna be us. Because um, the the pit can be part of that. The pit doesn't need to play like easier stuff so the battery can shine. It all can work. Right. Um, and I see that happening, I think, the most that I have um, for for maybe ever, actually, in terms of the full product. So um, I think people are going to get it. I think you guys are going to be clean. I, f- I feel like the pieces are are falling in place for a, a good old Midwest revival, and I'd love to see that. I'd love to see Rhythm X take the Ohio State uh, championship as well as always <laughs> state, state title baby <laughs> um but so yeah i'm super excited like i'm i'm excited to check you guys you know i'm i'm obviously a fan and um uh, just i saw your guys stuff coming out was like this feels like we're back home at what 
we all love about X. So it seems, you know, talking to you, talking to the Tims, it's like the vibe is right. It feels like everyone's dedicated themselves to the vision for this. And that's like just the most important thing because you already know, you start asking questions about the overall vision for the year. And it's like, it trickles. It just trickles in everything you do. So I, I see that the flip end of that, which is like, we're all bought in. So like everything is about that, that intense buy-in. And I, you can always tell when Rhythm X does that because you guys set records. So will this be a record setting year? I, we will see. Like we're we're going to try really damn hard. I can tell you that. I mean, it's, it, it, yeah, it's going to be a fun end of the season. Like uh, there's so many good groups. You know, I mean, I went out, we were talking about some bad decisions that we, our opinion, some people like, I don't know why they made that decision, but there's a lot of really good groups out there this year, um, which is cool. As we kind of expected, you know, after COVID, you're, you're, everybody was kind of chomping at the bit and sitting on show ideas and regrouping and having conversations. So, you know, I saw a lot of good groups the, this past weekend. I mean, and there's, there's more out there. The California groups are nuts. We haven't seen you guys in person yet at all. Um, you know, so it's I, I, it's going to be a lot of fun. Hopefully everything turns out the way Rhythm X wants it to. But, you know, we, we also understand that's out of our control. We're going to try to have a, a, a good time and try to have a, have, a, have a fun show. Yeah, I hear you. I, I, I'm feeling good about where you guys are at. I feel like just the the playing is going to be the first part of the conversation is going to be like, well, uh, that snare line sounds better than everyone else. OK, now we're talking. Okay, this baseline is insane, right? I mean, just that first moment you're setting a standard for the group, I think that's going to be great. I'm sure, you know, I'm not trying to shit on Rhythm X Squad and, and Marimba Line. I'm like less keyed in, but I know like a lot of the bases from Crown are just insanely solid. Steve, Jack, Brendan, you know, you got Dawson, Andrew, Logan, um, David, all these guys that are just kind of like staples now. Um and like for people who don't know how it works, like that connection between the Cavaliers and Rhythm X has been open with, you know, with you with Tim J with with Russell. Now I think that was a genius pickup. I knew exactly what was going on when I saw that go. I was like, uh huh, yeah, I know what Josh is up to. <laughs> yeah, we're trying to build a relationship there. You know, I want, you know, as many Rhythm X people at Cavaliers and back and forth, and you know, not not that that's an exclude an exclusive thing. It's just you know. Nope. You got to have recruiting grounds. You got to know who uh, develop players. We had that at Rhythmax had that at Crossman for a good number of years. I mean, there was a there's one of the years we had like five out of the nine snares March Crossman or something like that. It was it just you know you got to be working and, and and meeting players and and developing and I mean that's everybody has their recruiting pipeline you know and so we got to have ours. So you do, yeah. I mean, if if you're smart, you do RCC and devs. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, Blue Coats is very diverse. I feel like they kind of spread out. You know, we've we've staked out Crown, and it's been hugely beneficial to both groups, especially like what you're asking these students to do now. If you don't do indoor, a lot of this DCI stuff is so heavily reliant on indoor. Like, if you're not at Vanguard, you got to get some of those skills that indoor, you right. know, requires of you, especially with the performance part. You can tell in these lots, like when you go out to a DCI lot, you can tell which groups know who they are and which groups are drum lines. Yeah. Um, they might be clean, but they're not presenting you with that substance, um, that personality that you glean from from the Blue Devils. You watch the Blue Devils, you're like, damn, they get it, man. They're not afraid. Yep. They're not afraid to stare you down. They're not afraid to tick. Right. Yeah. They tick and they're, they're like, eh, whatever. Yep. That's a big one.
<laughs> That's big. <laughs> not that, you know, uh, not that you should be ticking everyone. And, no. you know, you should try to play clean all the time. So just. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. Not that, you know. Yeah, you know, we'll see. Like, the Cavalier thing is, is going to be really cool. I think it's going to help Rhythm Max a bunch. I think Rhythm Max can help Cavaliers. And, you know, we even, like, tried to even go as far as the, the packets are about the same. So you learn one, you learn them both. Um, mm. the, the technique and the information and, um, you know, getting uh, uh, Lane and Lee working with the front ensemble there. Adam Norris we're working with the quad line. Getting Russell yep. over with uh, with Rhythm Max. I mean, it's, you know, trying to make it as easy and as seamless as possible for everybody. Absolutely. That's dope. I mean, it feels like a good fit. I feel like you and Mike have always had a, a good gel with the approach and everything. So I certainly wasn't surprised when you start teaching there as well as got bumped up in leadership roles. Like, yeah, I mean, it makes sense. You know, you're, you have that experience. I think you cut your teeth at bones and, you know, you got as far as you could with them, but ultimately the infrastructure of the core is only going to let you do as much as you can do. Like there is a real ceiling, you know, like you said, the Cavalier success, there's no limitation of what you can do with the program because the core is, it's figured out for the most part. It's figured out as you can be at the DCI core, which is like, you know, duct tape, but, um, <laughs> It, there's there's a limit like you're gonna you're gonna go give up your life for three months every summer to essentially stay still because they think you're asking too much of the core you know and that's I'm, I'm and I'm not speaking on your situation with Crossman I'm speaking on my own experiences I me mean, teaching with you there or teaching at a whatever core um, what happens at the top has everything to do with how far we can get the group itself and. Um, you're not going to run into that with Cavaliers and man, the history of that core. Like, I just feel like you're definitely going to appreciate that work ethic. And like you said, that blue collar approach, Mike really pitches and the buy-in thing. Like, I feel like being in that core, you're just, you're just living in the fucking shadows of giants, man. Like the people who came before me at Cavaliers, um, you know, blue coats are similar. You know, that's a core with a lot of lineage in the percussion section now. And uh, it's special. You feel that when you're at the Cavaliers. Like, I think you're going to have a great time. It's going to be a great fit. So, um, you know, I'm looking forward to uh, to seeing what you guys do with that. Obviously, we're going to be we're going to be competing and doing our thing, which is great. The more good drum lines and percussion sections, the better, better man. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm all about it. So, yeah, yeah we're going to try to make you guys sweat a little bit. <laughs> we're always sweating this is this is stressful you know you know how it yeah, is yeah <laughs> who's in front of you who's behind you yeah. who you're working with who you're not i mean yeah. it's you know but uh, it's been good like um the sound designer and front ensemble ranger who i've always worked with at mason and cwp andrew is now the sound designer at crown so instead of you know crown is very brass first yeah. uh he has been able to lay down a soundscape first. So the ebb and flow, the music affords way more percussion exposure, percussion leads. Um, the pacing of it feels a lot less like kind of how we've been kind of movement oriented. So um, I feel really good about actually the music that Crown's putting out. You know, Jeff Sacked is obviously writing the drill. We're going to be whipped around the field. Yeah, I, I fully understand that. Yeah, yeah you are. So, <laughs> you know, it's going to be good. Uh, it'll be good. You know, I'm sure Brendan and Jack are up at Rhythm X beating that ass. So I'm glad, you know, they got that good experience. Yeah. And Brendan is probably one of the best bass drummers I've ever taught. That yeah. dude is a freak of nature. Yeah, and he's just a, a good guy too. Yep. Uh, yeah, he's great. 
nasty. But uh, dude, two hours. This has been great. This is just great to catch up and just hear what's going on with you and with the team. And, you know, uh, wish obviously wish everyone my best. And I'm super pumped for finals. I mean, we'll be meeting up doing the Bargos hang and celebrating that we even have finals. You know, we can all remember that we're just happy to be here. Yeah. It's going to be great. <laughs> yeah, we'll have a couple Long Islands. Just just maybe two. You can never have more than two Long Islands of Bargos, everyone. Public service announcement. You will die. So with that, <laughs> with that, we wrap it up. Oh, Josh, let people know where can they find you, like Instagram, uh, social media, website, anything like that. Uh, website is uh, joshbrickymusic.com. Uh, just go there. Clinics, writing, designing, uh, help in any way I can. Also go to Plus One Designs, uh, where I'm teamed up with Adam Norris. We're doing custom show designs and go there. Uh, Instagram is joshbrickymusic. So feel free to reach out. Awesome. Everyone, thanks for stopping by, and I will see you next time. Peace.